Hey, we are in boss mode. My name is Fergus. My name is Azim. And we're going to talk about all the good stuff, as usual. Uh, we've mostly this week been playing the start of games. So let's yeah. talk about that a bit. But first, is there any news? What's games news like? There's a little bit of news on the Nintendo Switch. A, a company called GameSeek, which is a retailer on the interwebs somewhere. I don't know. They, they put it up for £200. And I kind of just wanted to bring it up because of the price point seems like really different. I mean, if you factor in like an iPad costs like £500, what are they giving you for £200? We talked about this last time. There's quite a few accessories, presumably, that that isn't going to come in a £200 package. Well, I mean, so, so the main thing is going to be obviously the controller. The controller, I feel like, can do quite a lot by the look of the trailer um, and that has to be included like they're not going to sell it without the controller if they do they're, they're stupid um, but I'm just curious because there's been a lot of complaining over the last couple of years that Nintendo has lagged behind you know PS4 and Xbox One and even though they put out I feel like they put out better games to be honest it's hard to more just consistently ba- yeah, just based on reviews, actually. If you look at the Nintendo Wii, uh, the PS4, and the Xbox One, I think it's only if you look at their first-party titles. Nintendo has, like, tons that got, you know, 9, nine out of 10s. Whereas Sony and Xbox have had flops, as well as good games, but they've had a lot of flops as well. Every game Nintendo puts out, publishes themselves, is, as first-party, has been solid. But no one's playing them. But no one's playing them because the Wii U sucks. Oh right. Well, what about it sucks? The the controllers. Well, I feel like I feel like the technology is there. The controller is was okay. It feels a bit plasticky and you know and Mm. all that. But it was okay gimmick to have. I think Um, in a couple of first party titles, you were quite you were kind of forced to use it. Whereas I just wanted a normal controller, which. Because they've come out with this accessory, they feel they need to make users, you know, use it, I guess. Um, But aside from that, I just think the graphics, the fact that their graphics are always not going to be as good. It it, it does, it, it, like elder, older gamers won't take it seriously. Some things. Like imagine... Um, imagine um, what's a really graphically heavy game uh, The Last of Us on on a Nintendo Wii which was about, uh, I suppose it was about the same graphics as uh, as PlayStation 3 which it was on so I don't know where I'm mm. going with this <laughs> well no I mean I, I, do, I do get what you're saying and I think it's the curse of Nintendo yeah. that they don't put out games that, sh- that, that, that it's it's easy to take seriously like Zelda yeah. People love Zelda. All the Zelda... Apart from that one game that wasn't very good. But um, Which one was that? Kira, the one Kira after Kira. Ocarina of Time? Majora's Mask. I think so. I think that's the one that... No, that people, one? people love it. Maybe I'm thinking of the Ocarina But of to be honest, when, when it came out, people complained quite a bit. Just because it was the follow-up to Ocarina of Time, which is right. widely regarded as one of the best games of all time. Um, and it it was different. And people hated that. But now people have played it. They've re-released it on 3DS. People absolutely love it. Okay. And just one more thing. After the podcast, and listeners, you can do this too. uh, Somebody put out a uh, Majora's Mask animation. It's like 3D modeled. It's gorgeous. It's movie quality. 
Um, it's only a couple of minutes long, but I recommend checking that out. I can't remember the company's name though, but just look up Majora's Mask animation and it should come up. Okay, that's one of the list. Nice. Yeah. I um, uh, it, What I was going with was more that Nintendo doesn't try to be photorealistic. It doesn't try to have serious graphics. Zelda's never looked... Ocarina of Time is an animation. It looks yeah. deliberately cartoonish. And that's something they, they carry across all their games. They are silly games because of it, they feel like. Uh, and I've always used, as I mentioned before in previous editions of this podcast, N- Nintendo for me has, has always been the party console. N- not because of Kart, Double Dash, and, and because of, uh, well, Super Mario Party. That was a big one for me at university. Um, See, that that's not the same for me, because um, it was the main co- console I used to play until uh, until the, the Wii came along. When the Wii came along, it felt like it became that. You know, okay. there was because that's when it started to lag behind the other consoles. Mm. We came out to compete with PS3 and the the Xbox 360, and it didn't it, because it didn't keep up. What happened to it is that it lost all its its third party support, and that's why it didn't really sell because the Call of Duty on PS4 or PS3 sorry was far superior to the Call of Duty on on Wii because you had to use the gimmicky controller and mm. the graphics were subpar to be honest. So I think it's more to do with third party than third party support than it is to do with their first party games. Okay. Because I would match up Super Mario Galaxy for example with the best with The Last of Us. I would put them mm. against each other. Well that's know? what I was about to say as much as the, the aesthetic can be quite cutesy in Nintendo the gameplay is always amazing yeah they always have smooth gameplay it's they're always quick yeah I just hope that's enough to kind of support them for, it's an exciting the, piece of tech yeah the switch it, it, it really it, it it's got some really cool things about it but they need to exploit it yeah I'm just worried about how um, how bad it will look compared to the ps4 pro and the Scorpio because for two hundred pounds, what are you gonna get? Um, it like my tablet is pretty decent. It will cost more. It was more than two hundred pounds, but the game's graphics on it. Like I tried playing XCOM on it, and it looked like it looked rubbish. You know, that's a shame. And I'm just hoping Nintendo Switch can at least compete. It doesn't need to be the best, but at least be in the competition mm. um, against whatever PlayStation and Xbox is coming out with so. is it a peer thing are, 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 like country to country does it change like in Japan say mm. is Nintendo still the biggest uh, I kind of don't know if they're the console manufacturer biggest I don't know if they're biggest but sometimes the, well they have they do have massive following like a game will come out that will drive everyone crazy for example um, Pokemon Sun and Moon came out um, and it's sold, it's sold amazing. I think it's partly boosted by Pokemon Go. For sure, know? yeah. Um, so I think that's what keeps them afloat, really. They have just a couple of, like, I say a couple, quite a lot of dedicated people who are just dedicated to Nintendo. But when you get that, I don't know if you do this, but if I'm, I'm quite interested in watching things like, on, you know, the YouTube clips, like, 20 best open game 
open world games coming up in 2017 or, or, or the, the top 10 RPGs of this year and I watch them and very often I've heard of half of them because the other half is obscure Japanese titles yeah that, that some of which are on the on Nintendo that I've just yeah. simply never heard of and I've never seen in a game store on, on online or anything yeah um, there's a whole other it feels like there's a whole other world of, mm. of JRPG yeah that that I'm not a part of and it's, it's fairly massive yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe that's where Nintendo's getting some but I but they still like a lot, quite a lot of them well actually I, I don't know but I speculate that quite a lot of them come out for PlayStation as well so it, it's between Nintendo and PlayStation out there okay. the Xbox doesn't really sell out there in, in other news I, 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 and, and I apologise to listeners because I have that's right apologise promised not to talk about this game again <laughs> however <laughs> why don't you talk about it I don't want to <laughs> so the foundation ups, update for No Man's Sky uh, um, the foundation update for No Man's Sky dropped this week as we record and it has changed the game into something else Entirely, it's turned for, for, for what Hello Games should have done after release is gone. Yeah, it's an exploration game. There is no point, you know, have have have, have take some recreational drugs or something and play it, or you know, something like that. Like it's it's not for, it's not it's not an RPG. It's not a game with an endpoint. It's not about becoming badass, although you can scale up some things. Obviously, it's about the wonder. And obviously people got pissed off with the wonder very quickly. Yeah. This foundation update, what it does is it adds a whole new aspect to the game of crafting and recruiting and building and base building and, and all this stuff. Which I feel is completely at odds with an exploration game. And I think there is a... I, I haven't looked at the foundation update yet, but I think there's a... a the only way it makes sense is if there's an automatic warp you can do between yeah. your home base and wherever you happen to be in the entire galaxy. Yeah. Which then kind of makes a bit of a mockery of the whole notion of of making your way down a single thread through the galaxy. You yeah. can always jump all the way across it again. Um, but Hello Games also said that this is... They've, one of the reasons they've called it the Foundation Update is because it's the first update of several that will make the game what people wanted it to be not what they were what 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 gamers were expecting it to be and not what the company promised either to be frank mm. so I don't, I, I, I don't know we'll see i don't think it's going to be a case of too little too late because there's a lot of it and they get it looks like they're going to release a lot of stuff for the game soon however it might be too much too late it, it might be just a bunch of people uh, going, this, you know that's what? the thing uh, this should have been in the game at release they shouldn't have released it in the state that it was. It was if they planned to do this stuff from the start, they should have finished this and then launched it. But if I wanted a shoddily, poorly thought out crafting section to a game, I'd just go back to play Fallout Four again. That's exactly my first thought when I was watching the trailer. It was like so they've taken the most boring aspect of Fallout Four and put it in this game. Like, could you make it any worse? Well, <clears throat> funny enough, the Fallout 4 thing is quite apposite, I think, because they they do say, or there's some explanation of the trailer, maybe it's in the trailer, that this is the, this is the base, yeah. base building 
expansion. So presumably there will be more more, more things you can do to your base. More textures. Well. There'll be more textures. It'll be more shapes, and it'll be hopefully <laughs> there is. Which, which sounds to me like the add-ons for Fallout 4, which, di- which everyone said are great. You're charging us, if you haven't got the season pass, you're charging us $5 for something we expressly hated. Mm. Um, I don't know, I'm being a bit of a hypocrite because I, I actually enjoyed the base building in Fallout for a while. Funnily enough, the add-ons uh, overwhelmed me a little bit and I was like, shit, you can do so, excuse my language, you can do so much with this stuff. Um, I, I, I hated the base building. I still did like 40 hours of it. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I got sucked in and I was like, I want to build a stadium. I want to build, I don't know, a tower. And uh, You can now with the add-ons. Go yeah. back <laughs> and have a really rubbish time. Well, I had mods, so... Oh, man. So, you know, sorry. Well, the mods. <laughs> I've got a PlayStation, so they've released mods, but apparently we still don't have mods. Um, uh, or not certainly none that make me want to go back to Fallout. I looked at the whole list of ps4 mods and not a single one of them maybe going well, that makes the game more interesting like for example one of the mods was to remove the sky ceiling so you could just build as high as you wanted to right which was just awesome yeah that's great that is great uh, oh well i mean no, no man's sky we'll we'll see i i might kind of do what i did with fallout actually and just wait until all the add-ons are out if they start charging for them, there's going to be a flipping riot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I'll wait until the add-ons are out and see what it's like. I like, for example, the fact that you can build a bit of tech that's a drilling machine that you clamp onto a big rock and you can just walk away and that gives you a steady supply of that. I really. feel like the only way that this could go well for them is they find some way to do circuits. And so you can actually build, in, people will actually build intelligent stuff um, and it will go on YouTube and then other people will be like, I want to do that. Like Minecraft, for example. Mm. Just make another Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people build like calculators and all kinds of stuff in Minecraft. And I feel like that's the only way people are going to go back to this and play this long term. But that's, that's, but you've, we've, we've both cited other games yeah. that do what No Man's Sky is trying to do yeah. better yeah. or more originally. At least, or first. And I feel like I feel like there are there's already games out there, um, more than those two, who do exactly what Fallout. I mean, sorry, No Man's Sky is doing, Mm -hmm. and do it better. And they came out recently. They're not like old old games. This is brand new one. I think we talked about the last edition actually about the. Is it an Xbox exclusive? Exclusive that's coming out shortly where you build a base on a planet and start marketing between other planets in your system and mm. build up an empire, a kingdom kind of thing. Um, that sounds far more interesting to me than exploring generic planet 23 to generic planet 29. <laughs> 29 billion. <you> know. <laughs> um, so, oh man, it's so easy to be cynical about it. It's such a shame. It's yeah. such a shame what's happened. Yeah. It was, there was so much goodwill towards it before and now even me who banged on about it for three episodes of this podcast still managed to go do you know what i just want to give a shout out to amazon for not actually delivering my copy of the game and refunding me for it thank you yeah that's nice (laughs) i want to give a shout out to my friend mike sorry for making you buy it (laughs) i came over to your house on the day that i got it and was like this is amazing and maybe we had a drink and played a demo and you were like Maybe I should get this. And I was like, yeah, you definitely have to get this. You'll spend so much time on it. So, sorry, Mike. 
Um, sorry, everyone. <laughs> what? 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 Do you know what that said? We've we've it's like we've we've spent the last couple of weeks having a little sampling platter of, of video yeah. games that came out between now and say two years ago. Yeah. Um, and it's weird that we've both done that. We didn't communicate about the idea that we were going to no. be a sampling tasting platter. Um, no. I mean, a lot of games have come out recently, and um, towards the start of this month, you had a, a, a trio of shooters. You had Call of Duty, Titanfall 2, and Battlefield 1, which for the most part, all three of them I kind of enjoyed. Battlefield you loved, no? Yeah, yeah. I really, really like Battlefield. But I haven't gone back to it at oh, all. Okay. Um, because first Call of Duty came out and I started playing, they re-released one of the old versions um, and I played that for a bit, but I just went straight online because I just missed missed it from my from my earlier days sure. where I would spend hours and hours just playing it. Um, but I didn't play too much of that and then I just heard a lot of good things about Titanfall 2 um, and I had to check it out and it is genuinely a really, really good game. Okay. The, the campaign, like I said, I'm only a few missions in and um, I haven't had a chance to go back yet, but it's 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 shaping up quite well. It's like interesting, whereas most shooter campaigns nowadays are super boring. Um, but although the Call of Duty one I've heard is good as well, so you're talking from the story point of view. Yeah, story story and just the gameplay, the set pieces. The set pieces bore me for the most part um, mm. because I can't do anything. I'm just looking at this thing explode in the sky. And everyone's telling me that the world's going to end. Um, and I just haven't got invested any in any of the stories of... of uh, apart from maybe Gears of War. Just That's just because I really enjoyed the first three games. But And I read the books as well. So I know a lot about the world and I'm kind of invested in where the story goes now. Um, ah, you read the books as well? Yes, most of them. I have a specific question about this. Okay. Maybe you can answer having read the books. Apparently you might be able to. Yeah. Why is the leader of the bad guys a human woman? Surely a race of aliens. I think it is a war. She's not a human woman. Who is she? She's yeah. humanoid. Ah, but she's not a human. She's not a human. But why does she appear human? Why does she appear humanoid even? Like, surely a race of human-hating aliens is a bit weird to make their leader humanoid. Or is that just a shame? But they're not aliens. They came from Uh-oh. below. Uh-oh. So I think... She's the queen, so she looks different, I suppose. Okay. I don't know, that's a guess, but they never really go into that, okay. to be honest. They don't go into the Horde much. Is that what they're called? Horde? Mm. Locusts, sorry. Into Locusts much. Who are the Horde? The Horde are in something? Uh, Horde is a mode in Gears of War. It's a game mode. Okay, okay. That's, that's why I got confused. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like they've just taken... Because it's like a hive mind... They've taken that, oh, she's the queen. You know? Okay. Okay. But I'm pretty sure she's not a human woman. I'm worried now if I mess this up. She looks like a human woman with a bit of gold plating on her side. Unless I'm thinking of a completely different game. Maybe. Oh, man. Well, this is good podcasting. Yes. I should not have asked you this question. Because <laughs> um, you, you didn't memorise those books. Just in case there was one sentence that explains something that might not even be true. Um... <laughs> So, did you have a th- did you do you have a favorite out of those three games? Still Battlefield or uh, it's tough between Battlefield and Titanfall Two because even the multiplayers of both I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I would have to say Titanfall Two. Although uh, you know what, I I I request the right to reserve judgment until I've played. 
Oh, for sure. Than a bit more. Absolutely. And I think you can you, you can get into a story across several games. Yeah. Do you know but what I mean? Like the, with the Gears of War, there's a continuity, with... and especially with the books, where, like, say, it's the same as Assassin's Creed 2. The story is not compelling until you're playing several games and you kind so, of see the building of a single character. Yeah, but the, the problem with that is Battlefield and Call of Duty never really have, like, a great overall or, or arcing story. Mm. It's it's mostly just one-offs, you know? Um and I feel like Titanfall 2 has the advantage there. But the thing with Titanfall 2 is this is the first story game. The last one didn't really have a single player campaign. It was just multiplayer. There was a tacked on campaign slash multiplayer. So you could only do the campaign while you're playing multiplayer. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, and I, I really didn't like that. That was a bad move, mm. I feel like. Um, but this one has, you know, a story. It's got um, good voice acting talent. Got Matt Mercer playing the lead guy. He's that. Um, he's done a lot of stuff. I'm a big fan of his. Um, he's, I, I, in terms of ranking, I would say he's just below um, uh, Troy, Troy Baker, and Nolan North. Nolan North. <laughs> the two names. Yeah, that everyone knows. Yeah. Um, Matt Mercer. Yeah. Check him out. He's, like he's in the time. He he's like I'm. He's even in like he's pretty much in every game you've played. Mm. Like. Fallout 4, he does some voices in there. Sure. Um, and just a ton of others. I think I mentioned him on the podcast. Remember I was talking about that D&D game? This guy is the guy that hosts it. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Oh, nice. All right. Um, what, any non-shooters that you've been playing? Because, hmm. I, I, you know what? I've actually been playing... Um, I'm, after the last time we played VR, I put the VR down and I was like oh cool I'm going to play some soon I never got back to it and then uh, Google recently just released this isn't really a game I feel like I'm cheating a little bit sure um, it's like No Man's Sky <laughs> yeah pretty much you go to a place uh, and look around yeah so it's just their Google Earth version and um, it has tours so it'll take you to a bunch of different places um, you can look over the edge of the Grand Canyon which oh, is wow. amazing absolutely amazing I even had my mum try it out and she was blown away by it she was like oh I'm in the mountains <laughs> oh my gosh that's so cool yeah so I, I just wanted to give that a quick mention but I will get back on the VR um, there's a couple of things I've seen which I'm interested in but I've yet to try out okay um, but I like did what? try um, sorry like what what's coming out um, I cannot remember the name <laughs> <No>, to <laughs> be honest I've got a list in Steam of stuff I want to buy okay um but once I do, I think I'm just going to go through it all in one go rather than, you know, faff about. Mm. Um, Pokemon Sun. I played a bit of Pokemon Sun. But not Moon. What's not the difference? <laughs> so, have you ever played Pokemon? No. Okay. Oh, I mean, yeah. I played Pokemon Go for a couple of minutes. Okay, that doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't count. I know some stuff about the Pokemon. So, lore, Pokemon traditionally comes out with two versions as soon as it releases. Oh, it's got yeah. a couple of different Pokemon and a few different... Versions. Of course, there was black and white, wasn't there? Yeah. Right. Okay. And and the main, the main Pokemon you cap capture, um, is different, mm. based on the version. So Sun has one, and Moon has the other. It just makes people. Well, originally I guess it was so people would trade to get all of them, and you know, they they were kind of trying to force social, um, 
social interaction social interaction on kids I guess um, but my way around that was to have two Game Boys <laughs> and two copies of the game uh, which I borrowed off friends or whatever uh, <laughs> so yeah I'm a friendly guy honestly yeah clearly yeah that's nice <laughs> so Training yeah with so, yourself on your own <laughs> I know I, it was pretty sad it was pretty sad but surely there are people who will buy both different versions of the game yeah and... there are definitely definitely um, I just bought one because I'm not massively into Pokemon anymore sure. um, but it's an RPG I can just sink my time into okay it's so basic they add they've added like little features here and there but the the combat system has been the same since the first ones came out which is you pick a move you fight you use a potion you pick a move you fight that's it and you only ever have four moves right. so um not saying that there is strategy involved sure. as in you have to choose the right pokemon and catch sure, it sure. and train it the right way um which is cool um and this one is the first kind of one i would deem a 3d adventure Okay. Which is nice because people have been wanting that for a very long time. It's still not really open world or anything like that. Um, you still have to run into grass if you want to find Pokemon, uh, <laughs> which is a bit weird. Um, but it, it it's looking good. I haven't played it too much to be honest. Okay. But yeah, it's looking. What's good. that on? That is on 3ds. Okay, right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's on 3ds. How about you? What have you been playing? I went crazy for old older games. Okay. That, that, that have been on my list for a while, but just that I hadn't got around to playing. I'm a big fan of the Mad Max films, mm. and I always had half an eye on the game. Um, and that's the one game since last edition that I played all the way through, uh, is Mad Max. And it was good. Yeah. For, 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 the, for, for what it's selling for at the moment on PlayStation Network, which is, I think, about 10 quid, it was great. Definitely 10 quid's worth of game. Because you... you for me, it was a really nice place that's somewhere between Mad Max Fury Road, particularly the movie, and there's even a, ref there's a reference to Thunderdome in there. In fact, there's references to all the films in there. So many references to the films, in fact, that it's impossible to discern when the game is set, like after or before which films. Mm. It makes references to the idea that a very old man once banded together with some kids to defeat a, a bad guy, and that was Mad Max 3. Mm. So it's set after that, but anyway. Um, and the films themselves aren't in, in order necessarily either. But it's somewhere between Mad Max Fury Road and Mad Max 3 Beyond Thunderdome. And the Fallout games, actually, it has some of that sense of humour and characterization and, and gameplay, to be fair. It's like Fallout, Fallout but with vehicle destruction. Um, yeah. But like any massive open-world game that came out between 2013-2015 it suffers from repetitiveness yeah so you find out when you go into this first zone of desert um, that there is a certain number of structures you have to bring down a certain number of snipers you have to kill a certain number of convoys you have to destroy a certain you know for yeah. every zone and then you find out there's eight zones and you're like okay so i now know what the entire rest of the game is going to be mm -hmm. the main storyline does take you to some interesting places for a while but the main story if you i think if you only followed the main storyline and we're very lucky you could probably finish the game in a couple of hours you could finish yeah. the main story in a couple of hours that said there's hours and hours and hours of stuff to do but it's a little bit repetitious. Luckily, no escort missions. But there Good. are still um, 
you know, fetch quests is as complicated as it gets. I mean, I, I picked I picked it up for two quid, um, which was I thought you know I when it first came out, a lot of people were saying it was totally underrated and it was like really really good actually. Mm. Um, I really, but I never really really wanted to play it. Like I personally think that's a problem with paying two quid for a game. I think if you pay 10 quid for a game, 15 quid for a game, you're much more like The more you spend on a game, the more likely you are to play it. If you only spend 2 quid, it, you like put it to the side and go, well, it's not a real game. But even before, like when it did come out, and I heard these great things, I didn't want to play it. I was like, cool, maybe I'll check that when, you know, later on. Um, and I would have I paid more for it if I wanted it, you know. Um, I don't think me buying it for 2 quid really made a difference, because I did start it. Like, there's games I've paid more for and I haven't even opened. I'm like, it's, it's Steam. It's horrible. It's horrible. My life is painful. Um, Sorry, man. <laughs> I think it does, ultimately, the game suffers from being, from borrowing too much stuff from great games and they're borrowing great things yeah. from great games, but they're not doing it quite as well. Like, they borrowed the combat system from Arkham, the Arkham trilogy, it feels mm. like. And... The problem with that is the Arkham trilogy was really good. Where if you did a finishing move or did a did a did a, a defensive move, even that would kind of stop your opponent from being able to to attack you. In Mad Max, you can be halfway through a move that once you've pressed the buttons, your character, the, the Mad Max, is going to do what you've told yeah. him to do. But you can't cancel that to defend yourself against another blow. Yeah, and so fighting becomes this really horrible. It's, I, guess I don't it's know. That might be that might be deliberate. The the combat system, like I don't know, I played um, the other two with the same. Combat. I can't remember which games. Uh, Arkham, uh, Batman. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot Batman <laughs> um, and Shadow of Mordor. Yeah, and I really enjoyed the combat system yeah. in those because you felt fast, you felt powerful, and it was it was really cool. In this, they've gone for it uh, for a more weighty combat system because you're just. A guy fighting with his fists. It is more weighty and you can't... I, I think that's a problem maybe having played both those games... Well, all four of those games you mm-hmm. just mentioned. Um, I really hope they do a sequel to Shadow Mordor. Yeah, me too. Um, so hopefully five games one day. Yeah. But um, yeah, you can't in Mad Max spring ten feet across a fighting platform yeah. to punch another guy. And that kind of makes sense. Where yeah, Batman yeah, and the Shadow of, of Mordor can. Um, I can't remember his name. But... Um, it's not. It wasn't that interesting. It, 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 it ends up being more frustrating, especially as perspective is such a key thing that you could literally be hit from behind with no clue that a guy was there. And that's not that's not cool. It's if it's deliberate, great. I found it a bit frustrating. They borrowed a lot of the setting and characterization and even scripting style from Fallout games, but a it's Mad Max, so there's a lot of kind of. Have you seen the films? I have I've seen the the first three a very long time ago. They're so full of myth and mythos and people in dialogue which is full of you know slang terms for things for ancient history to them. Yeah. And so the scripting is a little bit awkward in Mad Max plus it's all set in the desert. Yeah. Like if they they, they took one part of the wasteland and made a, a massive game of that. There is a little bit of landscape landscaping changing as you go to different areas but not enough not to make it basically a desert. Yeah. And that, again, makes sense. It's brutal. But for, 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 for as many hours of gameplay as Mad Max insists you do, um, insists you, you have, uh, there's not enough variation. 
and I think it suffers from being one of those action RPGs where right at the, you, you start the game with a great car, the Interceptor from Mad Max 2, and you um, have it stolen from you. Yeah. And it's about revenge, trying to get... That intro sequence was awesome, by the way. Sorry. Sure. Yeah. But the problem with it is, as soon as you get given a rust bucket of a rubbish car at the beginning of the game, that you know you've got to try and build up to being equivalent or better than... Uh, equivalent to or better than the Interceptor which is a car you can collect during the game anyway um, you know how badass you're going to end up being and that's not necessarily exciting for a Mad Max game you want to be oh, sorry for an RPG truly discovering power as you go through the game is a really cool thing to do whereas if you're going I just want to be in a good car why can't I just get a good car or why can't I be more badass why can't I you know, use I mean, this... uh, they've taken that trope from platformers. I remember in Metroid, that's one thing that sure. happens to you, for example. Um, and it was okay in that. You know, it was fine in that because it was more. I can't wait to get that so I can access this area because mm. I know this area is off limits right now. I wonder what's down there. But in Mad Max, it didn't feel like that. It no, didn't feel or, like that. from from. There's a kind of introductory area. Once you're through that, you can go anywhere, do anything, talk to anyone. It's maybe it's too open. No, that's not that nonsense. It's yeah. Anyway, I I I would give it, despite how much I've criticised it, give it quite a high mark because I did high or high rating because I did play it for ages. I finished it. It's got some great stuff and it. It's good Mad Max stuff as well. Fans of the films will definitely, casual gamers who are fans of the films will love the game. Okay. If you haven't played the Arkham games, Fallout. Or Shadow of Mordor, then it will blow your mind. <laughs> <laughs> it will blow your mind. It's like them. Damn it! I played all of them. <laughs> yeah, no more. Um, other games that I've I've had a little bit of a go on. Um, uh, well, there's there's several that I've, I've kind of touched on slightly. Lego Batman Three Beyond Gotham. That's another one that's that got great reviews when it came out, but yeah. it wasn't. You know, I'm a massive fan of Batman. Um, a lot of people say that listeners but I've been collecting the comics since I was six so mm. haters screw you mm. um, but uh, and I, I also love um, Lego as well funny enough but uh, have you been to the, the store the new one mm-hmm. they've got one in Leicester Square apparently oh, really? yeah uh, oh, it's apparently know. like it's like their flagship store okay. and um, they've made like a tube out of Lego sweet and stuff um, I don't know where it is. I need to go to Someone the else, Yeah, definitely. I'm going to go there. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's cool. I, no, that's very exciting. Um, it's so expensive, though. Yes. <laughs> they've released a new... I've got the Lego Death Star. They've released a new edition of it. Hmm. That costs 400 quid. Holy crap. Come on. I mean, if that's... My, my, am my I, am, am I crazy? Does like the patent on Legos run out soon? Oh, I don't know. That's interesting. Surely they'll be able to renew it. But other people rip Lego off. And other people like yeah. blocks or mega blocks. Yeah. Mega blocks. Um, I think I'm getting confused with something else. There are things that are compatible with with Lego. Oh, you know what I'm getting confused with? I'm I was thinking about Mickey Mouse. Does the patent run out on Mickey Mouse? Well, yeah, the copyright or thing. Um, it becomes public domain in a couple of years. Oh wow! Yeah, that's great. I watched a very good Cracked video. I talk about Cracked a lot, but they do a very good video called "Why Batman and Superman Should Be Public Domain," and it's a really good argument for making. Companies that think like Warner Brothers, like Disney, 
that think they can make a lot of money by not letting people make anything with their property yeah. are wrong. And it's this argument that if you make it public domain, actually, you get much more interesting creatives yeah. doing stuff with those characters um, that you don't have to consider canon, but they'll still make back-end money off it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, so, yeah, I say make everything public domain. Mickey Mouse. Who cares about Mickey Mouse? Yeah. Maybe that's why the patent laws last, as long, or the copyright laws last as long as they do, because mm. they know that by the end of 75 years, people just aren't going to care. I didn't even know you couldn't sing happy, happy Birthday publicly until, like, two years ago, one year ago. Really? Did you know this? Yeah. No. If you tried to put... I, I tried to put Happy Birthday in its entirety, the song Happy Birthday, into a, into a telly show I was making, and found out that to use that song, you'd have to pay, like, a, like 50,000 quid. Because the, 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 the two women who wrote it... I can't remember the names. Hill and something. Adams or something. Um, the, the, yeah, the copyright literally only ran out last year. Who would have thought? Happy birthday. You assume, surely, that's the most public domain song ever. Yeah. Not so. It's really expensive to use. It was really expensive to use. And I don't know, there's, there's been a glut of, of I've noticed. Of, <laughs> this is very geeky of me. Not geeky, just sad. Um, a lot of TV shows and movies and even podcasts and things like that that are suddenly singing happy birthday a lot because they're allowed to without paying for it <laughs> as of 2015. Um, it's like everyone's starving to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, oh, thank you. Yeah, it's not an annoying song or an embarrassing song at all. Um, Lego Batman is, 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 that's two properties coming together that should be great. And whatever you think of Batman, I, I like serious Batman. I like Nolan Batman. I like late 90s comics Batman or No Man's Land stuff amazing but um, Lego Batman's always going to be cheeky yeah a bit silly that's yeah. fine maybe it's like the Nintendo thing we were talking about it's yeah. just I can't quite take it seriously enough to play it yeah it's a little too cutesy mm. um, but that said you get to take Batman into space that's always fun the Lego games they just lost the kind of they're kind of, you know, novelty. It turns to, out that's what it me. was as well. Like yeah. Star Wars Lego was, the first Star Wars Lego game was yeah. great. I play, yeah, I played uh, both trilogies of that and I really enjoyed it. And then Indiana Jones came out. That was not then... a good game. That was not a good enough game. It was literally, that was, that was a side-scrolling platformer that came yeah. out about 12 years too late, frankly. The Harry Potter ones, did you play them? The Harry yeah. Potter Lego? That was weak. I didn't. I didn't play those ones. I'd already lost interest by then. Yeah. But but there's so many franchises they have a Lego game for now. It's just it just whenever I see Lego Batman or anything advertised, I just scroll past it mm. because I'm like I'm not gonna I'm not right. gonna be interested in it. I'm well, this is the thing. It. I saw it on the sale and I was like, oh come on, Lego Batman, surely. Mm. And got like ten minutes into it and was like, no, this is this is the same as the previous ones. Mm. Here's a door you can't get through unless you do a thing and a thing. Lots of puzzles, which is fine, but they're not, I don't know, they're not compelling anymore. Yeah. Not compelling in the same way, which is a shame. Mm. And I've started to play your game of last year, yeah. Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Oh, actually, so uh, the Game Awards actually gave uh, their Game of the Year award to the Witcher 3. <laughs> yeah, I saw, well, I've got, I've got, that's the thing, I bought the Game of the Year edition and I was like, well... Someone's got someone's got good taste, clearly. Um, but yeah, so they gave this this year's award to a game that came out last year. Oh, I see. Oh, 
But they gave it to the DLC, and it's the first kind of time I feel like a, a DLC has actually been nominated for anybody's game of the year. Were they explicit in that, or did they kind of say that the whole game wins the award? No, no, no. Because the, of... the, the DLC won the award because the game came out last year, so they couldn't oh, yeah, get right. to that. So it's literally Blood and Wine is <laughs> yeah. the game of the year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, I got I got the game of the year edition. I haven't looked at Blood and Wine yet, and. I love the look of it. It's beautiful. But so far, everything that I've enjoyed about it has been tarnished very slightly by... Well, a singular frustration, actually, which is about, again, about perspective and how you get to loot things or get them to mount your horse. It's basically when you can interact with things. It's very specific to yeah. the angle and position your player, your character's at. Um... And that's a bit annoying. Mm. Apart from that, it's amazing. I love the horse, uh, horsing, or horse riding in yeah. it. Beautiful. I love that it will follow a path and you can just ride around the whole place and it looks amazing. The The script is good as well. Yeah. When when Geralt first starts talking, you're like, oh, this guy's a knob, really? Yeah. We're going to have to deal with this, this guy talking like this all the time. But actually, they take the piss out of him for that. Yeah. And it's really funny. They're, yeah. They are aware that he is a computer game character and therefore has to talk about, you know, they talk about his accent in it. There, yeah, the, there's a lot, there's even some quests in there which kind of just to make fun of stuff in general. Like, there's a quest that, um, I don't want to spoil it for you, actually. Ah, go on. It's been out for two years. I just played it already. <laughs> so there's a quest where um, there's this tower and somebody's locked inside it and you go into it. Um and basically the tower is locked and you have to unlock it. There's all these traps going off and everything. And I, ca I can't remember the name of the ca the the tower. Defense mechanism is... It will, the, the, the letters are DRM. And it's basically the whole quest is about making fun out of DRM. Right. And it's okay. hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. Because the character you meet in, inside is a lot of fun. And yeah, it, it, I just love that it was so conscious. Awesome. You know? Okay, yeah, that that is good. It does, yeah. That's that is a good thing about it. It seems, it seems to know what it's doing. That, it's, it's CD Projekt Red are amazing. Honestly, I cannot wait. They, they they've now started talking about their next project, which is Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Wait, uh, just before you talk about that. Okay, sorry. Talking of projects that are coming out soon, Lego have just cancelled uh, next year's. Um, what's it called? Not Dark Siders. You know they have a game where you get little plastic figurines and you it's called like and you put them on a little board. That didn't last long. Lego, no, they released one of them this year and they were going to do a sequel next year that incorporated a few more titles and they cancelled it like yesterday. So, what we were just saying about Lego games being their novelty wearing out, yeah, I think I think they know that as well now. Yeah. So sorry, yeah, um, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Yeah. So the, apart from trailer, one trailer. Yeah, that's the only thing they've released out. Of. That trailer, so many. But questions. now they're saying that that's what we're working on now. So I'm super looking for forward to. What else what have CD Projekt Red done? Gwent. Gwent. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. I love. Uh, what well, ah! I need you to show me how to play Gwent. Okay. It's a big <laughs> thing. I've had several goes of it, and I'm like, this is a game. This is this is like. Uh, attention, attention, nerds! This is this is what I'm about to say. Will will delight you. But basically, Gwent is a slightly more complex version of the combat system in the Game of Thrones board game. 
okay. yeah the combat works very similarly to that you lay cards down in, and, and, and it's about gathered points and you can take points away you know yeah. it's a classic card game yeah. um, but the cards even look the same as the Game of Thrones board game cards okay um, <laughs> I don't know, that can't be deliberate um, or it's just a coincidence because obviously it has to yeah. maybe they've got the same artist but um, I need you to explain it to me because flip okay, cool. but CG Project Red if, if CD Project Red if they did The Witcher and and if, if Cyberpunk 2077 is good yeah they are amazing because I, 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 I have cool. actually I am actually in the beta for um, for Gwen so wow. I've had I've, I've had a couple of games of it okay um, I'm not enjoying it that much oh yeah, I'm surprised because obviously they had to make some changes because right because in when you're playing it in Witcher Three, it's all about what cards you have. Mm. It's like like you'll suck at the start and you'll just lose and lose and lose. Oh, good. But then once you start <laughs> collecting a couple of cards, nobody can beat you. You're right, like, but how do you how do you how do you collect the cards? You can buy them. You can buy them. Uh, you can buy I them from some vendors. Like, I assumed the only way you could get cards was by winning cards in Gwent, which made it a catch twenty two situation. Where I'm like, well, yeah, I can't so so cards. so I didn't buy them straight away. I did it that way, mm. um, and I won most of the time and collected right. those cards by, right. by by getting lucky. <laughs> so I was going to say, um, okay. so I would lose, and then I'd reload my save, and then <laughs> sure. sure for the ones for the ones you can play again. Basically, there's a couple of them where you realise like a couple of saves later that he dies and you can't you oh, can't get his card. So you reload the save and go back and play Gwen. Mm, um, you can't loot the card off his dead body. No, it's not there. And they're unique cards sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I understand. Yeah, no. But I'm, I've already I'm got a mission to find a card. I'm so excited for you. This, this is, <laughs> you don't that? know how excited for you I am. I, I, I really want you to like the witcher like I, especially I once you do. get into um so, so you might like it now but when once you get into a couple of the quests there's one major quest towards the start of the game which um which kind of just grabbed me and pulled me into the world and okay. after that quest i was like i love this game this is my one of my favorite games of all time already wow um and then it just builds upon that Okay. It just builds and builds upon that. And, yeah. You know I me. Mean? I love. I love a good story, and I love. I love that kind of dynamic in a game. I, I just need to get over the first. I'm. I'm really enjoying the game already. I just have this early game hump where I'm level four or whatever, and the quests I'm opening up are level ten. Yeah. Recommended for level ten or higher, and 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 so I'm just bashing my head against a brick wall at the moment. Yeah, but, but the, 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 honestly, that I I went through that difficulty spike, and I don't know if that was a good idea for them to do that. Um, because it makes it slightly less accessible. I mean, if you pick up a game, you know nothing about it. That's true. Um, and you've got all these menus and things you can do right off the bat, and you're getting your butt kicked by the most basic of enemies. Um, it can be, be off-putting, this. you know? For sure. I mean, I, I, I wonder how much I would have persevered with it had you not praised it so much previously in mm. conversation. You know, like, would I even have bought it? Yeah. Because it's very cheap, but I um, <laughs> I might not have persisted in, in 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 dying like twenty times trying to kill like four bandits on a level ten quest. Yeah. Because um, I thought, oh, this would be easy, and then it was a whole day. Um, <laughs> it was a few hours, anyway. uh, and I was such a coward. But actually, like my my strategy just became more and more cowardly. It was like, okay, so stand right back here, 
line up a crossbow shot so you can just get one crossbow shot off then they'll start running towards you if you like get yourself in this little crevice here then you can fight back without them and like it was all this strategy that i know by the time i'm level 15 or something will will just not matter anymore because i can be using well, maybe that's the thing why why does the witcher start off rubbish surely he's a witcher he should be like yeah, so that, 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 that's a good point because, I mean, there's already been two games where he's been powering up. But they never painted him as, like... Um, I feel like they never painted him as, like, the most powerful. Although, yeah, they did kind of. He's known to be, like, the most powerful witcher. <laughs> right, okay. uh, And, like, an amazing swordsman and all this kind of stuff. But there are, like... From throughout the whole games, you know there's people more powerful than that, more powerful than him out there. For example, the sorceresses, like mm. their power compared to him, is pretty, pretty crazy. So oh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I, I, overall I agree with you. <laughs> I'm on a companion quest at the moment where yeah, I mean straight away, she's she's badass, and this is right at the start of the game. I'm yeah, I'm loving it. I'm gonna I'm I am gonna persist. Okay. I had a very quick look because. Um. It's hard to find games for the Mac, and I, I sometimes uh, need. I've got an edit that's going to be rendering, and so I just want a little game on the Mac. So yeah. I've. Um, did you ever play SimCity Four? Yeah, of course I did. Okay, it's amazing. I love it. It is amazing. Yes. I I, I it's, it was two quid, and I downloaded it. And I was like, ah, is this going to take up what five minutes of my time? And I was like, no, SimCity is so good. Yeah. It's such a good. I kind of bought it as a. I wanted to kind of get into the the, the God game headspace before I yeah. look at Civ 6. Um, so yeah, Civ 6, I, I have been playing some of that, actually. Um, and it's just, it's a great game. Like, I'm just going to continue saying what I said last time. It's a great game. And I'm, I hate Queen Victoria. <laughs> I hate, um, who else do I hate? A bunch of people. I just sure. hate a bunch of people now. Mm. That's fine because they've wronged you. Yeah, no, actually, Red that's one. Going, that's like, one criticism of the game I have is that <clears throat> it's hard to keep anyone happy. Everyone just hates you, <laughs> like for no reason. It's so easy for them to hate you. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's my only Why? criticism. Why? Just because you're because they're competitive, and if you get a certain technology, then they want it. And well, th that's the thing. I don't quite know why they do that. They, it it they say. It's about policies and stuff. So somebody will come to me and say, oh, you rule your people like a dog. And then they denounce you. <laughs> but the thing is, if you if you take offence to that and be like, okay, I'm going to crush you now, hmm. you get something called a warmonger penalty, which makes everyone else hate you as well because they think you're a warmonger. That's so unfair. I know. And it's, it's like just, civil, I end up just destroying anything I come across now. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And that's the way to do it, despotic style. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that was the, with civ, with civilization revolution. I remember thinking Gandhi was a jerk. Yes, <laughs> um, I can't be right. Gandhi's Gandhi's in this one as well. Right. Um, and Gilgamesh of Mesopotamia. Okay. They've got quite a, a weird mix. Gilgamesh. Yeah. I thought he was a fictional character. No. Well, I remember reading something the epic, of legend. I, I don't I think I remember reading any... the Epic of Gilgamesh when I was like 14 or something it was a really weird poem really like epic poem um that's some cool things in it it was the first mention of a golem in uh literature oh really as in the, the you know the clay monster that's made from 
yeah. To, to do your bidding. Uh, yeah, yeah, Gilgamesh was one or made one. Shows how much I remember. Um, and just because I saw the most insane thing online, which was someone someone had basically broken Portal. Have you seen that? There's a there's a yes. playthrough of Portal in speedruns in like a minute and a half. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. I've seen the speedruns. Um, and it's stupid. I can't, you can't work out what's going on. Yeah. They jump out of the game. Yeah. So they're on like the, they they find a way of breaking the the, the border of the game yeah. and then shoot up to a different level and sh- yeah, it's nonsense. But it did make me go, oh yeah. Portal Two is 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 an amazing game, and I've been reading a lot of these stats recently about like ninety percent of the games at, at E three relied on 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 uh, conflict resolution through violence, and it's just nice to play a game actually where I'm definitely preaching to the converted here because Portal mm. Two. No one is going to say that Portal Two isn't a good game. I defy anyone not to think it's an amazing game. Yeah. Which is really nice to pop back, pop back into Portal 2. And it's not, I've, I've had no compunction to do that with other older games. And I was really worried when I realised that under my telly in the living room I don't have space for my PS3 anymore. I'd be like, oh, am I going to miss these games? Mm. Will I want to pop it on every now and again? No, because you move on, don't you? And, and like when you're reading a book or watching a film, your, your, your favourite book of the year tends to be the one you're reading right now do you know what I mean yeah. your favourite film of the year tends to be the last good one you've seen rather yeah. than one you can specifically remember I don't know um, games obviously they're like that but Portal 2 was like like slipping into a warm bath it was really yeah. such a good game and yeah. so funny still Yeah, so funny still Stephen Merchant is amazing in it. yeah I'm just uh, I'm just a bit annoyed at Valve you know I could really use the third one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. More than Half Life Three, I'm looking forward to a Portal Three. Right. To be honest, yeah. Half Life has always been pretty mare for me. It'll be Half Life Two Point Seven though. Yeah. Um, not Three. Yeah. Um, Portal Three. Yeah. I mean, JJ Abrams and his company Bad Robot are working on a, a, a Black Mesa film at yeah. the moment which yeah. is going to come out next year or 2018 oh really is it that soon yeah well, I mean they're, they're going into production quite soon I think it's because Dan Tracton well there's a few things that's happened Dan Trachtenberg the guy who directed 10 Cloverfield Lane yeah which was the second uh, kind of of the franchise uh, the Bad Robot put out it's been revealed that the, the film JJ has been referring to as God Particle since he wrapped on episode 7 and finished kind of most of his production duties on episode eight, Star Wars episode 8 um, he's revealed that God Particle is actually the third Cloverfield film and it will be coming out in January, February. So, so, so that he's going to be doing one a year. Okay. Wow. Um, and it's finally going to reveal what Cloverfield is, which is, I think, I mean, what I suspected when I saw 10 Cloverfield Lane was that Cloverfield is going to be the name of an anthology series of independent films. Uh, films that are independent <laughs> I of thought each other. You, I, th- I thought you were going to say... It's the name of uh, an organisation that creates... A pharmaceutical organisation that creates viruses or something. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, in the sixth or seventh film, they revealed that that is the case. They created the monster and... Well, do you know what? I only found out something up recently. Oh, I'm having a bad flashback. Sometimes, I can't remember if we talked about this in the last edition mm-hmm. or not, but... So stop me. If this is boring, I'll try and do it as quickly as possible. But at the end of Cloverfield, the first film, there's a shot, it cuts to... Just as everything is going to 
hell and they're, they're, they're being crushed in, in, the, in the bridge in Central Park and the monster's above them and they're, they're dying basically. It cuts to them on a Ferris wheel. And in the background of the shot, up in the top right corner, you see a thing falling from the sky into the sea. Okay. And it's not, your attention isn't drawn to it, but a lot of people at the time went, oh, that's probably the monster landing. And they've since shown through um, Slusho, which is a, a fake drinks company that's owned by a massive conglomerate that exists in all the Cloverfield universe. Yeah. So 10 Cloverfield Lane has references to it as well. Um, if you go to the Slusho website, it talks about how one of their satellites malfunctioned and fell out of the sky on that day. And that fell into falling into the sea is what woke up the monster in Cloverfield. So there is, there is a possibility that it is all because of one company called Slush, uh, whatever Slusho's parent company is, I can't remember it now. Um, that's going to cause all these things, but we'll see. Um, yeah. But so, so anyway, Dan Trachtenberg, though, who, who directed the second Cloverfield film, um, got to make that because he made Portal No Escape, the incredible short film, yeah. nine-minute film on YouTube, um, which we've talked about before, definitely. So, I think his next project after Ten Cloverfield Lane was starting to work on the on a Black Mesa project. Okay. Um, because they are describing it as that as well. They're not referring it to it as Portal. They're not referring to it as Half-Life. They're referring to it as a film that will incorporate, that will be set in that world. So that's quite cool. Because Cloverfield then actually has parallels with Half-Life and Portal. Because in Portal, obviously, you know, it, there's references to the Black Mesa facility, which is from Half-Life. So, yeah. So yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be... Well, we'll see. Uh, it's interesting to know if they're going to concentrate on the portal technology. Obviously, the, well, the, the I mean, portal gun allows for some crazy action sequences. I don't think they will. I mean, if they've called it Black Mesa, isn't it more related to Half-Life? I don't know if they are calling it Black Mesa. Okay. I genuinely... I don't, Black Mesa did... Aperture is part of Black Mesa, isn't it? Yeah, but it's quite... It's... It, Black Mesa relates he more heavily to Half-Life uh, because mm. you're on Black Mesa research facility right. in um, in the first game. Mm. So, um, and whereas in Portal, I feel like it was there just to establish that this is the same universe, but we're somewhere, somewhere far oh, away. Okay. You know? Okay. Well, I see. I'm, I'm intrigued to see it. I can't wait. Mm. Um, but we've got a while yet. Yeah. Um, a game I want to mention actually. Um, because you brought up SimCity, is a game called Planet Coaster. Did you ever play Roller Coaster Tycoon? I've seen it, and funnily enough, I watched it. This is so sad. I'm <laughs> sorry for what I was saying, but I watched a, a, a tour of a big uh, coast. Uh, um, it wasn't Planet Coaster. It was like Roller Coaster Tycoon Three, okay. or something. So I mean, um, <clears throat> Roller Coaster Tycoon came out with another game. So difficult not to say Roller Coaster, isn't it? Roller, yeah, I know. <laughs> I keep messing it up. Um, but it, it, it was terrible, apparently. It was just really, really bad. So an indie developer has kind of come up with his own um, roller coaster tycoon, I guess, and he's called it Planet Coaster. Um, I haven't played it yet, but I used to love playing roller coaster tycoon Ooh. and creating crazy, crazy stuff that just kills people. You know, <laughs> that's just what, that's what everyone does. Come on. Is that, is uh, that all right? Okay. <laughs> I, didn't know that. Um, I didn't know you could. Well, you can make... Yeah, so you can, you can make a ride... When, and it just stops in midair. So, so the roller coaster will just go up and then fly, and everyone will die. 
oh. basically. <laughs> but does that not end your game? Does that not shut your... Well, eventually your people down? clock on and they stop coming to your park. Eventually. Eventually. Can you imagine? It takes a while. You could stay open for like a day, I think. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. We'll keep going. We'll keep going until people leave. But yeah, I'm really excited to play it, actually. Yeah. And uh, games on, in terms of gaming on Mac, I tend to play a lot of strategy games on my Mac. So games that don't require like amazing graphics for me to get drawn to the story or anything like that. So SimCity 4 is a good shout. Um, and I play XCOM on my Mac. Um, and I think I mentioned Darkest Dungeon before. I played that mm. on there. As oh yeah. Well. Right. So and it's just it, you know Mac does not a huge, it doesn't have a massive library. Although a lot of new games are coming out for it now. Um, but I, I feel like you know it's good to kind of just like because I've got a MacBook, so I just sit there and play easy strategy games, which I don't need to be you know quick for or anything. Yeah right. You know, so it's okay. It's not too bad. Nice. Nice, um, yeah. I I I I'll look at Darkest Dungeon. I remember you mentioning that mm. last time. Yeah, um, it's brutal though. It is genuinely brutal. I don't know if I can take that right now. I'm, I'm feeling a bit sensitive about this whole. I, I, <clears throat> I, I mentioned to Azim before we started recording the podcast my my deep shame. I'm going to share it with you now, listener, because <clears throat> I consider myself okay at video games. I know I'm not good. Some games I'm good at. Um, I was really good at SSX Tricky for some reason. <laughs> really. um, but um, it's tricky. It's tricky to rock them. Um, but I generally am quite good at games, um, and I found myself grinding in The Witcher. I did find myself going to a place where I knew there were some wild dogs, and killing wild dogs for the for the scant XP they offered, and then to my shame. I was killed by a wild dog. So to anyone who's, who's gone and murdered thousands of sheep or whatever it is in World of Warcraft, <laughs> or, 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 you know, just, just, just hung around vaults in Fallout 4 to shoot a buttload of uh, rad roaches, feel my pain, because you shouldn't be dying in those points. The whole point of those is that you don't die and you accrue tiny bits of levelling up every <laughs> month. Um, not that you, you don't even get to do that because a wild dog bites you in the back um, of the head. Uh, yeah, so it's a shame. So I am, I, my, my, my video gaming, I had a, a good experience with Mad Max. Just play through all the way and, and set myself a certain number of achievements that I wanted to get and got them and move on. So, so what difficulty do you tend to play games at when you first start them? The default. Okay. As in if there's uh, uh, the, the middle one. Okay. The middle one. Um, in, in The Witcher, for example, it said there's, there's four difficulty levels, and I went for the s- second, as in the second easiest. Okay. The, the easiest being, this is just for, you know, if you want to have a look around. Second level is if you like a bit of a challenge. If there's a, if there's a thing that says, it's usually the difficulty setting that says you've played games before. Yeah. That one. Okay. Um, although that said... If I really like a game, then I will I will I will rinse it. Last of Us, I played. You you'll go back to it and play it again on, wow, on the survival it. mode. Okay. New New Game Plus on the all the Arkham trilogy uh, is is a higher difficulty setting um, where you don't get the defense prompts when someone attacks you, for example. So they are different gameplay, um, and I like that about them. I've never tried 
Survival mode and Fallout. Despite being such a big fan of them, I've never tr- on New Vegas or Fallout Four. I haven't tried. Was this? It, I mean, I've tried the survival mode on Fallout Four, but it wasn't the updated survival mode. It was the the the, the original survival mode. I played that. Right. But they came out with a new one, which was... You start one. on those hardcore modes, don't you? When not you always. To... No, no, not always. Uh, I usually start on the second to hardest difficulty. So if there's a easy, hard, easy, uh, easy, normal, hard, and very hard, I'll go for hard. Okay. But if it's easy, normal, and hard, I'll generally go for normal. It depends. What, I mean, like, Resident Evil games, I always used to start on hard. Actually, I'm the opposite. So anything that might be scary, I'll start on normal. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> oh no, that's true. Me too. Actually, I do you know what on uh, deep space? Uh, um, deep space? No. What am I talking? Dead space. Yeah. I um. Uh, I think I reduced the difficulty of that several times on deep on dead space two. Because I was like, no, nah, no, nah, this, this is too scary. It's too much. It's yeah. too much. Um. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I wonder. There must be people who... I remember talking to a guy when New Vegas was coming out and him just being really excited about just going straight into the game on hardcore mode. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Some games, sometimes, I mean, some games you, I, I, I don't know how you'd last. Like, when you get the extreme... There's there's modes called, like, instant death. Well, on The Witcher, it's called Death March, hmm. the most difficult level. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with not experiencing that <laughs> yeah I mean people I, I don't understand how people play um, the, 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 okay so you know Diablo the Blizzard game mm. um, there's a mode on it where if you die you die you Oof. lose all of your progress all of your gear everything you just die once you're dead and that game is a game where you generally die a lot okay you know um, and I just don't understand how people play it I have no idea how people play it uh, and even, um, and I, I suppose games like Demon Souls and stuff are are, are born off of this. They're born mm. off their difficulty. That's what they're popular for, uh, and people love those games. I don't understand that. Yeah, mm. that's a weird. That's a weird challenge to me. It's a ch- challenge has to balance with enjoyment. Yeah. And but, if it's all um, challenge and no enjoyment. But the thing is, people find their enjoyment in the challenge. Some people do. Well, those people are freaks, <laughs> <laughs> and we don't want you listening to. <laughs> no, I'd I'd like to hear from those kind of those those people, because um, they are mad. Yeah, they're mad. Dark Souls. I mean, I I tried it. Yeah. Yikes. The thing, the funny thing is, uh, in Dark Souls. Three and Bloodborne. I've never died. Because I've played it up until the first boss, beat the first boss, and never played it again. <laughs> right. Okay, that's me. That's, I'm done. I, I, I feel I like if I, I feel like if I do die, then I'm I'm like, that's it. I'm never going to play this game. <laughs> but I'm not playing it anyway. So. Yeah. Right. No. Well, you beat it in your head. You can always yeah. just know that you've always you you beat Bloodborne. You beat Dark Souls. I survived. Yeah, you're a survivor, man. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um. Have you seen any good films recently? Yes. What did you see? I've seen two, two, two films that I really liked. Um, first one is Arrival. Okay. I am really angry. I, I, I talked about it in the last edition um, that I have not done my Amy Adams double bill yet because maybe I'll get a chance this weekend <gasps> if they're still out at the cinema. 
I would see the arrival and nocturnal animals because um, I'm one of the few people who um, liked Tom Ford's first film, The Single Man. I thought that was beautiful and stylish and awesome. It's not great for sci-fi mm. <laughs> geeks, but the story of his new film, Nocturnal Animals, sounds like it could be crazy and, and in conjunction with their idol. Well, what, what is it about? Nocturnal Animals is about a woman who runs an art gallery. I think I don't, I don't know if that's relevant necessarily, but her ex-husband is a writer and he sends her a manuscript of this book he's written about a family that have been that are trapped in the in a, in a car in the middle of nowhere mm. and this crazy shit happens to these people trapped in this car and there's murder and it's it's loony tunes and the book is dedicated to this to this ex-wife this woman and so she's kind of it all the film alternates between her reading this book and thinking about her own life and how much she messed this guy around or did something horrible to they allude to her having done something horrible to him in the trailers um it alternates between that story and the story of the book itself that he's written about this family in a car. And obviously they play, Jake Gyllenhaal and Amy Adams play both characters. And, and yeah. yeah, it sounds really good and good kind of half horror, half weird kind of literary film, I guess. But yeah, it looks really, really good. In the same way that Arrival looks really good. It's, it's a genre piece, but taken, well, made for grown-ups. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Um, I I quite liked it. It was. It was different, you know. It was. It wasn't. It didn't. The thing is, there was no one scene that blew me away, you know. You you tend to see the film as a whole because you think about all the little things that happened throughout. It. And I just really enjoyed that. I felt really, really good, good about that. Yeah. When, when when I came out of the cinema, and it had an interstellar vibe. Um, although Interstellar, you know, it had its action sequences and all that kind of stuff. This, even though this did have movement in it, <laughs> um, it didn't feel like there was like an action sequence in the entire movie. But it's about you know? language, isn't it? And yeah. learning and education. And, yeah, you know. and it, but, but it was re- it was really enjoyable. I really really liked it. Um, it's probably one of my favorite movies this year. Great. Yeah. Nice one. I I can't wait to see it. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm gutted that I haven't. Dennis Villeneuve, the guy that directed it, is really good. Have mm. you seen his f- previous films? Then they've not been sci-fi at all, which is really weird. He did Prisoners. I suppose The Enemy is a bit sci-fi. Jake Gyllenhaal is two Jake Gyllenhaals, and they're, they're doppelgangers. Okay. They're enemies. I've um, never heard of that one. Enemy, the, I think it's called The Enemy, Prisoners, which is about, again, Jake Gyllenhaal and another guy, Hugh Jackman, is it? Who, uh, there's a there's a series of kind of child murders in their town, and they think they found the guy. So they, uh, they that wasn't it. called prisoners, right? That was called something else. Mm. Uh, okay, maybe I'm probably wrong. I'm probably wrong. Or or there were two films like that that came out quite in in quite in, in, in like in the same summer in 2014. I, I feel like Hugh Jackman was in both of them, though. He might have been. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and, now, and now Dennis Villeneuve has come back like this is his third or fourth film arrival and his next film is Blade Runner 2049 wow so yeah if you if you liked Arrival and think his sensibilities could suit a bit of Blade Runner because when I heard that they were make, remaking or rebooting or making a sequel to Blade Runner I had the common reaction which was why yeah why something I mean, it's fine to come up with new ideas 
morons. Yeah. But then finding out that the guy, I haven't even seen Arrival, but knowing that the guy that treated sci-fi in a grown-up way. But then I got, you know, I got excited about um, uh, the, the Ridley Scott prequel to Alien, Prometheus. Yeah. I got really excited about that because that looked like a sci-fi film for grown-ups that was yeah. being taken seriously. And it turned out it, 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 that that film is kind of what would happen if you asked a child to write something for grown-ups. Um, it's just nonsense. And so... Um... <laughs> I'll never forget the big rubbery men. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> I wonder um, if they're going to make an appearance in uh, Alien or whatever the next one's called. There's there's two different alien franchi- franchises happening at the same time now, isn't there? Three, is there? if you include Predators. Well, there's there's Neil Blomkamp is still looking at doing Alien Earth War after he does the Star Wars spin-off he's doing or something. I don't know. Something like, I, I genuinely can't remember now. Okay. It was episode nine. Who's directing episode nine? I have no idea. Might be him. Um, but then... Although, um, he's, I think he's a good director, so... Um, Neil Blomkamp? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is. If someone else is is writing the script or or, or making the, the, I think it could be amazing. Mm. He's let down by the fact that he he loves his own idea too much. Like in um, Elysium, great idea, separation of rich and poor by. Oh, did he do Elysium? Mm. Oh, okay. So I don't like everything he does. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because some of it's like, oh, this is a really nice. Guy. He made a really Wait, good go. Just be, just in case I'm being crazy, and this is the wrong person. But he did District Nine. Yes. Okay. Cool. That. Is a stone cold masterpiece. Yes, there's n- no doubting the power. The, the the every now and again you, I don't know as as a geek, as a self confessed geek, there are some films that make me really happy because I know I can show them to anyone and they all have an emotional resonance. Yeah. And District Nine is one of those where you can show it to anyone. I showed it to a friend of mine when it came out. She was a kind of a woman in her mid forties who didn't watch much sci fi. She watched Lost a bit, but that was about it. Um, and she was shattered by it. I showed someone who'd lived in South Africa was in there. They, their minds just fell out. I mean, yeah, it's an amazing movie. Elysium tries to make a similar... It tries to make a point in a similar way. The rich and poor thing it doesn't yeah. quite work. And then Chappie. I quite like Chappie. Everyone I speak to about Chappie quite likes Chappie. It got yeah. mauled at the cinema. And I don't really understand why. It's fine. Yeah. It's just some critics went, oh, well, it's really weird because it's like slightly comedic and... And, and personal in the first half and then it kind of goes just crazy violent in the second half and you're like you saw District 9 yeah mm. like that's what happened in this. District 9 was brilliant it's the first half an hour was a, mockument- a comedy mockumentary and then suddenly by the end it was a kind of gory sci-fi action E.T. <laughs> gory version of E.T. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I, I feel like I feel like the um, having a uh, I can't remember. I can't remember how to say it. The 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 group Die Antwerp. The Antwerp. The, it just it's, it's 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 Afrikaans for the answer. Okay. Well, having them in it set the tone of the entire movie. Mm, that's know? true. It was it was Die the movie. <laughs> they are they are aliens. They are tech yeah. aliens. It makes yeah. sense. Um, Yolandi Vista, is it? And um, Ninja. Ninja. Yeah. And that, that, and they have the requisite. Just in, in that in that band, they have the requisite amount of comedy, or rather self knowledge. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like at the beginning of en- the song "Enter the Ninja," mm. where he's like, "Damn, this is the coolest song I've ever heard." Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, so of course they should be in a film, and they've been old friend. They've been friends for a while, apparently. Mm, no yeah. one can those two. So it's well, they great. had they had a, another group. 
they were a different group and there were different personas in that okay. group I think and then they became this and then adopted this persona but there is quite a stark difference between the two like it wasn't they just evolved they just stopped one day and completely changed their characters right. you know oh my gosh. I find that so freaking interesting when people can do that successfully I mean David Bowie famously did that mm. throughout his career and if you get away with it I think that's amazing yeah. and they are just cool they're just yeah. cool did you know there's no DJ High Tech? No. Every song Ninja refers to play at DJ High Tech or, you know, kick the, he, he always refers to DJ High Tech as if there's a third member of the band who's their, who's their DJ. He doesn't exist. And if you watch the videos, DJ High Tech is played by a different person in every single video. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> That's um, amazing. It is just the two of them. Um, so, yeah, he's... So, Blomkamp has Alien Earth War and... Ridley Scott is doing the sequel to Prometheus. Yeah, I can't see where they're going with with that franchise. I it's... wanted, I just, I, I, I want Alien. They've tried to make it. Um, it feels like it's gone from you know horror movie essentially to to blockbuster. Mm. You know? The first Alien film was designed as a slasher movie in space. It's Halloween. It's Nightmare on Elm Street, but just set on a spaceship. That's it. Aliens, Jim Cameron deliberately, he wanted a bigger scale military thing because that was the film he wanted to make. And I think that was the mistake with Prometheus, was maybe making it a prequel to Alien. I would have been fine with watching a movie about a bunch of space explorers who think they're going to meet their maker, the creator, God, whatever, but end up finding out that these people, that, that they meet an alien race that actually want them dead or, you know, something like that. You can build a mythology around that. It doesn't have to be a prequel to Alien. You don't need that weird alien dog thing coming out of an octopus at the end of Prometheus. You didn't need it. Um, and what's his name is coming back. Michael Fassbender is coming back hmm. as the android for Paradise. But apparently, what's her name? Numi Rapace is not in it. Oh. So it's not even going to be following her journey. Anyway, so that's, that's, all, that's a hot mess, all that business. Well, I mean, I feel like they have somewhere to go with it, at least. Um, with the the company, I can't remember what the name of the organisation. If you want to say Hewlett Packard, it's... Um, <laughs> it's uh, um, Something Industries. Um, Wayland Gitani. Yes. Um, I feel like even before the movie came out, they were they were focusing on that. Even though it, didn't, yeah, it wasn't a big thing in the actual movie itself. Because well, they cast Guy Pearce as Mr. Wayland, yeah. or whatever, to, for no reason. And while Blomkamp's got Alien Earth War, Ridley Scott's working on Covenant. Yeah. Alien Covenant. I mean, the poster is super cool. <laughs> Just that's because it's got an alien in front of it. Yeah. Like, on the, on the front cover. And that's what people want to see, kind of. That's what they were kind of expecting out of Prometheus. Like, it, it should have been more of an... Uh, more of an origin story for the aliens rather than them kind of just like, oh, look, there's one at the end. But isn't there... Who... who but origin stories. Who, no, who cares about origin stories now? That's a good point. That was my main gripe with what I think is the other film you were going to say you liked, which is Doctor Strange. Like... Yes. In, by, let's talk about that film. And okay. we can come back to Alien, because frankly, yeah. another origin story... There a there are much cleverer ways of doing origin stories these days. You don't have to have an origin film to incorporate an origin story. I think Batman Begins was really good at, at kind of spreading out both the origin and the the good stuff about Batman and jettisoning 
the stuff that does make me I sense. mean I mean to be honest they're not doing that for everyone Black Panther for example he didn't I don't know if they're going to go and do an origin story for him but I doubt it because they're trying to do it chronologically and they are so, there'll be flashbacks for sure yeah there'll, there might be flashbacks and stuff because they but, need his dad was it his dad or his uncle who died in Civil War his dad <clears throat> it was his dad, dad yeah. and I think they need to explore well maybe not maybe not. they'll just start from there Spider-Man obviously they're starting with a, an established Spider-Man exactly exactly so they're not doing it for everyone I felt it was justified because Doctor Strange is they wanted to illustrate how different he is to everyone else how um, you know because I mean I suppose him and Thor are the most different out of all of them because Thor is actually you know ostensibly a god mm. <laughs> whereas everyone has superpowers and and this but they're all kind of still human and yeah I, I felt it was justified because the magic and everything is so different to what all the other characters are isn't it therefore a bit ironic that all the ways in which they did his origin story were really unoriginal yeah I, I kind of felt if you took it was it owes a lot to Christopher Nolan I think that film um, Batman Begins Inception Interstellar you take some themes or some visuals and some story from those three th films and you've kind of got Doctor Strange yeah there were some all the things that Doctor Strange did that um, weren't obviously uh, to me very obviously ripped off from, from other movies um, was great was amazing the visuals when he's first taking the basically the tour we get the guided tour of the the other the multiverse yeah. that is incredible that sequence um, I'm going to talk about the ending of the film as well but um, which being a very good point about it but I had a real problem with one scene in particular and I know I think previously on the podcast I've talked about the one scene in Ant-Man that annoyed me about Ant-Man and it was because of Marvel and it's the scene in Ant-Man where Evangeline Lilly is really sad and she looks at a photo of her family and it's Michael Douglas young down with makeup or CGI obviously in this photo it's Evangeline a kid of Evan, sorry a photo of Evangeline Lilly as a kid that they've photoshopped into this and her mum who is the main character she's mourning in this in this sad bit of the film but in the photo the mum's face is covered with the brim of a hat which is Marvel saying Ooh, we don't know who we're <laughs> going to cast but it's exciting because she's blatantly going to come back and that's exciting we're promising a lot in the future Unfortunately, I felt by ruining the truth of a moment in the present. They were promising, literally promising more than they were delivering. Yeah. Because if you had a young woman, a woman who wanted to lament the loss of a parent, she would not look at a photo of that parent where you can't see that parent's face. That's it's nonsense. And, and so that was my praising all the awe of it, the marketing of it, more than the story, the emotional truth of that moment. And unfortunately for me, Doctor Strange had a kind of film-breaking moment like that, which was, uh, and I think I think we need to put in a spoiler warning right here. Yeah. yeah. We're, the, the only way you can talk about Doctor Strange in its originality is by discussing certain things. Yeah. That it that that, <laughs> that happened as part of the story. Um, but frankly, I don't think it is a spoiler. It's the bit where the ancient one takes uh, Doctor Strange to the top of a mountain and says uh, your average human will die of hypothermia up here in half an hour so you've got to do that that portal magic trick you've been trying to do and failing or else you're going to die so this time the stakes are something really high I've seen that scene 
in so many films, particularly in origin stories. The teacher who is benevolent always... It feels like it was in Kung Fu Panda or something. Like, the, the teacher will always test the star pupil by putting them in, in jeopardy, meaning they have to do the thing. And actually, if you step away from it and think about the ethos and the, and the, 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 the feel you're supposed to get from all the Eastern med- meditation and, and spirituality... That's a rubbish way of teaching someone how to do something. Yeah. By putting them in jeopardy, forcing them to do it out of panic. And also you had this really, what, what was a comedic scene of her waiting, yeah. and either Chiwetel Ejiofor or, or Benedict Wong, I can't remember which one of those I, I, two comic reliefs, coming up to her and saying, oh, you've done it again, haven't you? And her just starting to get a little bit worried about the time before he finally appears. Which wasn't a surprise, obviously. Of course he was going to do it. I mean, yeah, it was the equivalent of a training sequence in 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 the movie. And to be fair, it could have done without it. I guess it would be nice if they had done without it. Like, not everyone needs to see that. I I don't know that it added anything to the mystique. In fact, (laughs) when when you've got a character that's doing magic, surely it should stay magic. Imagine, right? The Rachel McAdams character was severely underwritten right and severely underused yeah. Yeah. I think she's a good actor I haven't really seen her in much stuff but in, in Doctor Strange certainly she's just a she's just there yeah for, for, for Doctor Strange to have both a bit of history and a history that he can have a bit of tension with yeah. that's her role in it yeah. imagine how cool I think the film would have been if told entirely from her point of view I know this is crazy and I, I wouldn't necessarily have been that interested in this idea as a punter but just as an experiment you've got this woman who has an ex-boyfriend who is an arrogant a-hole but a butter brilliant surgeon he is in a car crash that you hear about but he disappears for months years and comes back and he's suddenly got this different different type of confidence about him and he's got all, like a goatee and stuff so it must be a bit <laughs> um, and um, and then because she's put in jeopardy, he suddenly reveals that he's got this crazy magic stuff and she gets embroiled in this thing. And you can learn backwards that in that year that he disappeared. Classic literature's done this. Um, Wuthering Heights is, is an amazing book. Kathy and Heathcliff. Heathcliff disappears for three years in the middle of that book and comes back and completely changes the story because it's told from Kathy's point of view. That's a pretentious I, thing I, to say. I, but still. I just feel like Marvel aren't going to take a risk like that by doing something out of the, you know, tried to and tested formula of generic origin story. Um, because I feel like they, they, they're just, I feel like they're just too happy with the way things are going to yeah. kind of risk anything, you know? That's going to be their downfall. That is going to yeah. be their downfall. If, yeah. if, if Marvel ends, maybe it's too big a juggernaut, maybe it's too big a boulder that's rolling to stop. I, I'm stupidly excited for the next films like Infinity War and all that I'm stupidly excited but I would not be surprised if they're not good right that's that's really interesting isn't it that's really interesting it's it, no I, I agree with you completely I'm very excited about Infinity War I'd love to but my okay here's the thing about Doctor Strange big spoiler this the most the best scene of the film for me was the scene at the end where Thor turns up and says, hey, we've got a bit of a problem here. And, and Doctor Strange goes, well, I'll help you then. If you, if you get out of my town, I'll help you. Yeah. And they have a beer and a cup of tea. And 
that's the that that scene with the two characters sat on chairs with a little bit of subtle special effects, which interestingly wasn't directed by the director of the rest of the film. It was directed by Taika Waititi, who's directing Thor Ragnarok. Okay. Um, so the one scene that wasn't directed by the main director, that was easily the easily the best scene and easily the most exciting scene in the film for me. I was like, <gasps> they, we know it's a stone of power, that eye of. Yeah. yeah, and um, <laughs> and uh, it's the it's the stone of time, time stone, presumably. Yeah. So um, uh, that means there's only one power stone missing. Very exciting time uh, for gathering that stuff together. But if we watch Infinity War, if it, as you say, if it's not great, that won't be a surprise. If it is great, won't it feel a little bit? Given how many origin stories we've watched since two thousand eight, um, Iron Man that was pretty much the, it's, I think it remains the best origin story that the Marvel have done, mm. and clearly set set the template. Like Doctor Strange, almost beat for beat, is 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 the same as yeah. as, as, as Iron Man, um, just with magic instead of tech. Um, I don't want it to feel like we've spent nine years. Watching prequels. Mm. I won't even talk about the money I've spent going to the cinema yeah. in Britain, in London, these days to watch a flipping film. I'm, I've spent hundreds of pounds on Marvel movies, basically. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's no doubt. Um, and, and my wife's not going to pay for her own ticket not to go and see a Marvel movie. I'm dragging her down the road as it is. <laughs> so, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's double bubble every time. Um, and there's been a lot of them. And if they're, they, or Doctor Strange, it felt like a prequel. It felt like the scene, it felt like a whole movie that's going to set up quite a cool movie where Thor, Hulk, and Doctor Strange get to run around together. That's a cool movie. Yeah. I don't need, I don't necessarily, watching Thor, I was about to call it Hulk Ragnarok, kind of. Um, watching Ragnarok, I don't believe I'm going to be sat there going, well, thank, thank God I found out how Doctor Strange got his powers. Do you know what I mean? But but I, I don't think his biggest role is going to be in Ragnarok. I think he's going to play a bigger part of um, in Infinity War. Um, I don't know if a full origin story movie was worth it, but it did one thing. I, it made me really excited about um, Baron Mordo. Mordo? Mordo? Mm. Yeah, his character. Again, uh, the last scene in the film. Yeah. Right. And Dormammu as well. I thought the whole Dormammu sequence was really cool. Well, let's talk about that because that that was great. And yeah. obviously, this is this is the biggest possible spoiler we can give about the film because it concerns itself with how the end, the the main conflict is resolved. Mm. But for once, it's not about a bunch of superheroes smashing each other yeah. with lasers. Yeah. That the, yeah, that's the same thing I took away from it. I felt it was really cool um, how it was more wit that one and it suited his character arrogance yeah yeah that yeah. arrogance that he had at the beginning of the film um but again okay okay i know this is tangential to, to what we're specific let's talk about that finale more because i do want to talk about it because it is a good thing mm. but it reminds me of a bad thing which is the hero's journey in every film i can think of before marvel that concerns itself with superheroes or a hero's journey of any sort the hero is flawed at the start of the film and the power that divests itself in him or the power that he gains and learns to control helps him iron out some of those flaws. 
so the hero has a journey through a film or through a story where by the end of it they're a better person than they started out yeah. or a different it doesn't even have to be better just a different person to the one they started out Marvel is trapped by needing characters to have a place to go so where Doctor Strange, if Doctor Strange had been made in the 90s, it would have been a film about a really arrogant surgeon who's in a car crash and learns humility yeah. to learn magic. In Doctor Strange 2016, it's about a really arrogant guy who learns some magic and then uses his arrogance to win. <laughs> like, what? That's, that's mad. That's how Donald Trump is president-elect of America. That is not cool. That's not... I don't think that's an okay way of thinking. It's like, no, flaws are fine. In fact, it's no longer you're a bad person, so you need to become a good person. It's you're a bad person, so here are some powers that allow you to use your badness. Like, that's such a weird message to be sending out in so many films. Ant-Man the Thief is encouraged to use his thieving. Um, Iron Man the, the Wealthy Man, is in, like he comes out at the end of the first Iron Man film as Iron Man to kind of go, well, I'm going to use my riches for good. It's... it's um, I'm not sure. Of, I've only just thought of this. I'm sorry. I haven't formed a good, reasonable argument about this, but it does feel like these aren't. But but I feel. But, but, but it's good. It's good for the movie and the universe, though, because then that means there's a spectrum of characters. I agree characters. with half of what you said, but not the other half. I agree that it's good for the universe, hmm. and that is what Marvel are doing. But what they need to do now is stop introducing characters with origin stories. The way Spider-Man turned up in Civil War was so cool. And that scene, in fact, this month's Empire magazine, end of the year roundup, cites this, the first scene between Tony Stark and Spider-Man, sorry, Peter Parker, in Civil War as being the scene of the year. The movie really? scene of the year. It was so good, it was so yeah. well written, it was so cool. Yeah. The tension between them, everything was said, and you, you knew, you found out everything you needed to know about Peter Parker in two minutes. Yeah. Everything. Whereas Doctor Strange took two hours and fifteen. So, but but, but, but and, isn't it and, because and we are been... excited about what he's going to be able to do and how he's going to link in with the other characters, not what he did. But isn't it because there was there's been five Spider-Man movies already, even though they're not the same Spider-Man, they're different Spider-Mans, but those have existed, you know. So Spider-Man coming into it is. Like, a lot of people are expected to know the Spider-Man backstory. A lot of people didn't know who Doctor Strange was. That's true. Guardians of the Galaxy was the second most successful film of the year it came out in 2014 already? 2015. Um, 14, I must have been 14, because yeah. 2015 was Jurassic World and uh, Inside Out. And, um... Uh, so, and, and that was crazy. People didn't know who the Guardians of the Galaxy were. Hmm. To be fair, Marvel have always but wasn't they didn't really know who Iron Man was. Wasn't that an origin story though, Guardians of the Galaxy? I don't know. It's it's, it's difficult with teams, isn't it? Because hmm. watching a team team up is a kind of origin story. Yeah. And I suppose we did see. Well, no. Funny enough, it sounds like Volume Two is going to be the origin story for Star Lord because he's going to meet his dad and all that stuff. Hmm. And, probably his mum again hmm. who's the only actor to have had to play two different speaking character roles in Marvel hmm. what's her name Laura Herring I think she's good um, but yeah I'm, I'm excited for that but it's, it's I guess it's an origin story of sorts hmm. 
I mean, I, I generally agree with you. Like, I don't think it was necessary to have an origin story for Doctor Strange. It'd be cool if he just appeared and he was like mystic, you know, mystical to everyone. They're like, wow, this guy's mad powerful. And, mm. you know, um, but I feel like they needed it to set up Baron Modo. Mordo, 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 Mordo. Mordo. I keep messing it up. The thing, the problem with people like Baron Mordo is his name. Um, like Sinestro in. Sinestro <laughs> was easy to remember. <laughs> no, 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 but I'm talking about like like people who. But it is the dumbest name ever. Clearly, clearly bad guys. Like, don't pretend you're going to be a good guy for much longer when your name is Sinestro or Mordo or Baron Von Bad Guy. Like, it's, you're gonna just, it's okay, we get it. Um, but the thing is, that his character, I, I don't think he's as bad as Sinestro, though, because his character seemed like a good, like, for the first half of the movie, you were like, oh, he's a sidekick, yeah, basically. Mm. Um, yeah, and and if, if you didn't know that in advance, you wouldn't expect him to be, spoilers, a villain in the next couple of movies, you know? It'll be the next Doctor Strange movie, won't it? Rather mm. than... Yeah, the Thor movie or the Infinity War. Or... Yeah, yeah. Unless Mordo, uh, it, it depends. It, it feels like the thing that's going to get some of these superheroes into Infinity War is the link between, um, oh, who's the mad god, Thanos and their 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 nemesis, the the character's nemesis. Like Mordo will be, I reckon, the link between Doctor Strange and and Thanos, not Doctor Strange himself. Oh. Huh. He's, Mordo is now on a mission to to basically banish magic from 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 the real world from from for, for, for hum, normal human beings, mm. and I'm sure that oh no, but then they've got the stone time stone time. Yeah, time. I f- I feel like Mordo is going to be more like Doctor Strange only okay. kind of storyline. Well, then we've got quite a wait quite a while to wait for that, haven't we? Yeah. Well, they've cancelled the Inhumans. Mm. I heard about that, yeah. Why did they do that? I'm not entirely sure. Um, oh, do you want me to link this back to um, Alien? Do you want to see yeah. how well I do that? Please. So they announced, uh, this was a while ago, I think it was at Comic-Con, they announced that the villain of um, The Defenders from you know the show with all four of the Netflix Marvel people is going to be Sigourney Weaver. Ah, oh, wicked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, playing herself, I assume. <laughs> um, uh, I flipping love Sigourney Weaver. Mm. Um, she's just so so cool, and and I guess you know if you grew up with the Alien films, then yeah. there's no better female character than Ripley. Yeah, and 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 no better actor for it. She's perfect for that role. All all four of the roles that Ripley was in the end. Three. She was really good at. We don't talk about the last one. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I saw um, in the first one she's uh, she's just a kind of a scientist. Mm. In the second one, she's a a, a, a military stroke mum character. In the third one, she's basically Jesus Christ, <laughs> like to 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 a really unsubtle degree. Like, yeah, we get it, David Fincher. She falls into the lava with like in a cross shape, oh, subtle. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then the fourth one, yeah, she, she's a zombie. Um, but ah, Alien Resurrection is another between Alien and, and Doctor Strange is the is the comedy writer doing a script doctoring session on it, where it, in Alien Resurrection Joss Whedon did did that draft, which is why we get all the rubbish stuff that Joss Whedon. It's not if you take a Joss Whedon script, you have to make it as a whole 
or else it won't work. For Alien Resurrection, they took all the kind of snarky, hey, Ripley, I heard you were dead. Yeah, I get that a lot. That kind of snarky one-liners. But then took out all the other good stuff, the mythology stuff they wrote around those jokes. Dan Harmon writing for Doctor Strange. I loved the jokes in Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. But they were made for the trailer. They were not made for the film. Those those comedic moments do not make sense. I I love the exchange. Uh, Good to meet you, Mr. It's Doctor. Mr. Doctor. It's strange. Well, I'm sure it is, but that that conversation (laughs) is amazing. That's an amazing bit of writing. But in the context of a bad guy and a good guy meeting for the first time who are about to fight, it's nonsense. Yeah, That's Dan Harmon. That is clearly Dan Harmon going, well, you can put a joke in there, and that worked really well in the trailer. Because you haven't mentioned how ridiculous a name Doctor Strange is yet, so you have to take the piss out of that. So let's write this little joke exchange. But I feel, do, you, do you think they did that at that time, you know, in the movie? Um, did, do you think Dan Harmon thought that would be the funniest time to do that in the movie, though? Like, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's calculated. Hey, imagine they're about to fight, but instead of like, going straight into the fight, they do a joke. I think on, on, the ideas are really good. It's just the execute, And it might be Scott Derrickson. And this is a worrying trend for Marvel movies as well. Um, <clears throat> getting the guy that directed... Uh, I can't remember what films he directed, but the guy who directed Ant-Man to replace Edgar Wright with, 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 with a fairly journeyman director. And then Scott Derrickson, who's, who, who, who's directed a couple of really bad horror films. Um, I think he did the Vatican tapes, but he certainly did Deliver Us From Evil, which is a terrible action horror film. Um, uh, to get him to do Doctor Strange it doesn't make any sense and you do wonder maybe a better director could have handled those comedic moments better and I don't believe that these directors are the ones directing the action sequences I just don't I reckon there's some some action guru Mm. under Kevin maybe it's Kevin Feige who, who kind of envisions all these incredible things and then tells a writer that they have to put certain set pieces into. So New York's going to fold in on itself, and we're going to get like dozens of different New Yorks, and it's all going to be crazy. Writer, you need to put that in your script. I don't believe the director is going. Okay, this is how we're going to do this and this. But that said, the action in Doctor Strange, if this is deliberate, it's a real plus for the film. But did you notice that the magic action at the start of the film was all really close up and hectically shot, and you couldn't work out what was going on? And then as every action set piece in the film happened, the camera generally tended to move away to show more of what was going on so that by the end of it, the audience was complicit in understanding the fight sequences. Yeah. But also the magic. They wanted they, they kind of wanted you to have the same journey as the, the main character. So like you mean it is you're saying it is deliberate? Yeah, I think it is. That's I think good. It might, if it is, it's, you know, it's good. It's good camera work, good directing, basically. Um, because at the start he's like struggling with it and doesn't quite understand it, and the, all the action at the start is like that as well. Um, but if it's not on purpose, <laughs> that that is very cool, and I think that is a really cool way of doing that. Yeah. If if it's deliberate. <clears throat> yeah. I'm I'm very cynical about these films clearly, because I know, I don't. I want to know what the end game is. Yeah. Because you can't always build up to something. You can't do that. It's not fair. Remember going to see X-Men in 99. I've talked about this before, I think. But seeing X-Men in 99 
and coming out at the end of that going, ah, oh, I can't wait for X-Men 2. That has set up X-Men 2 so well. And then X2 came out and I saw that and came out at the end of that going, oh, they set up X-Men 3 so well. And then obviously the last stand, screwed the pooch. Um, and was no good. But well, I, I had to do that again. Yeah, well, I mean, we we I think every podcast episode we come up to this. We're, like, we're <laughs> worried about what's going to happen after Infinity War. Like what? Like how can you? How can you do that? You know. But if they pull it off, I'm going to be so happy. I'm like going to be crazy happy. Mm. You know. They found a really good way of doing it in Doctor Strange. They found a really good twist on the finale, the final battle. Yeah. And it is a self-referential bit of filmmaking as well, because sometimes they use the same clip of him walking. Dormammu, I've come to negotiate, whatever it is. Um, but he says that line over and over and over again. And, you know, I've done some editing, uh, video editing, and I was watching it going, is that the same clip? No, it can't be, because he's changed it so slightly. And I think it might be that, and again, potentially a really good bit of directing. Certainly, one thing we haven't mentioned is how good Benedict Cumberbatch is as the role. And I, it's, yeah, he's great. Yeah. It was weird seeing him speak with an American accent. Yeah, it I think was. it's the first time I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I'm generally I generally like him you know I think he's a good actor um, yeah. yeah yeah I don't know did he did he did he strike who, like, who are your favourite I'm, I'm not entirely sure I'm not entirely sold on the accent though it's tricky it's really hard isn't it yeah I'd love to know what American thinks of it maybe we should ask some American friends like what they think of his accent because mm. presumably that would have been if his accent's bad or unsettling or just discomforting in some way, then that would have been a big part of the reviews. But no one's mentioned it. Why do you think it was necessary for him to have an American accent? Like, I know, okay, the character is... The character is American, obviously. But I don't know why it was necessary to make him American in the universe. And there's two reasons. Oh, in the universe? No. Actually, yeah, in the universe... And this is this is just as true of real life as any cinematic universe. An American accent is more sincere than an English accent, and an English accent, particularly a posh Benedict Cumberbatch, my accent, is um, evil. Is it's evil? It's certainly it's certainly cold. It's yeah. certainly cold. Yeah. And if you've got a character who's already arrogant and and and, and has that kind of Sherlock, Benedict Cumberbatch has Sherlock arrogance and intellectual arrogance again. Um, uh, then I think actually an American accent softens it a little bit. And bear in mind that Marvel are trying to sell to two markets, America and China. Mm. They, don't, they don't care about some people in England going, hey, our English actor should be speaking with an English accent. Because I imagine he gets overdubbed in, 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 in foreign languages. Yeah. Um, and point. so he himself is a big enough selling point. Well, I don't know. That's interesting, isn't it, actually? Mm. He's such an obvious. He was such an obvious shoe in for Doctor Strange, and I felt really bad for Matthew Modine. Do you remember I had that online petition for him to play Doctor Strange? Oh, really? Mm. And he would have been really good. He was a fan since he was a kid, and he he worked on it, and even sent in an audition video, I think. Mm. Um, but it was deemed, I guess, a little too old for it, maybe. Um, and they had Benedict Cumberbatch. They've got really good cast, and I'm really excited about seeing these cast members working together in 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 um in infinity war that was certainly the thing yeah. that excited me most about the avengers yeah at the time was was 
The star power. Yeah, the star power. Yeah. They are doing that. And that's something that's been lacking from films for a long time. Yeah. Episode 7 had a little bit of star power as well. There are some directors and production company. Oh, it's Disney. Did, did, it's Disney. Episode 7, really? Yeah. No, it didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that um, uh, uh, Daisy Ridley... In fact, no, all, all four of them. Daisy Ridley, um, uh, <laughs> Kylo Ren, um, Adam, Dr- Adam Driver. Yeah. Yeah, try and name them. Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, uh, John... Oh, I can never remember his name. Boyega. Boyega. And the Harrison guy... The guy, <laughs> the guy out of X-Men Apocalypse. That is what his... Oh, no, movie. don't do that to him. Um, Don't do that to him. No, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Oscar Isaac, anyway. Ex Machina. He's made some. Yeah, he's amazing. Mm. Those four are stars now. 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 But because, stars. But, but because, because of, of Star Wars. Their characters, because of how they were directed, and because of what they did in it. And maybe because the, there was a, an, an invisible baton passing from Harrison Ford and, and that lot. To, no, but, to but what I'm saying is um, what Infinity War is doing is it's taking. Massive movie stars. He's but he's getting all the movie stars, <clears throat> all of them, every single one of them, and <laughs> putting them into a movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true, isn't it? It's gonna be so expensive yeah. for them. And, well, yeah, no, it's not. It's well, Disney. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, they have infinite money. Exactly. So um, but they and they'll make infinite money. So oh, we make infinity infinity billion dollars. That's good. Can we spend that? Um, but it's not. It, I was thinking about it. it's not massive stars but that might be because there aren't any massive stars now I remember thinking the same thing about you remember when Ocean's Eleven came out that was extraordinary that they got Brad Pitt and George Clooney and um, yeah. Matt Damon who wasn't even that big a star at the time into the same film um, yeah and now they're doing Ocean's Ocho I think it's officially being changed to Ocean's 8 now because is that all female only, yeah they could only find 8 female stars apparently well you know what I was thinking about it. it's quite funny how um, Hollywood's been importing British actors a lot but only male British uh, only true. men there aren't that many British females in no, Hollywood there was Gemma fair, Arterton oh, yeah. who was in a couple of movies but didn't do too well but she quit she basically retired from film acting She's oh really she just does musicals now but um, in theatre but I think she just had enough of it for a while and who else? No, that's about it. Judy Hayley Dench, Atwell. but uh, that doesn't really count, I guess. The Dench. And then mm. Hayley Atwell had a shot of being in some Marvel movies and had her own TV show, Agent Carter, but that got okay, yeah, cancelled yeah. just now. Mm. Um, but that, I mean, that doesn't count. I've been citing that as a, yeah, an yeah. example of us, uh, of America, not being interested in... Where is the... Um... British males are doing really, really well. That's true. There's, there's loads of them. There was a time when all the major studio superheroes were played by British people. Mm. There was um, a Welshman as Batman, an Englishman as Superman, and a um, a Scot as Spider-Man. No, was the other way around. No, that's right. <clears throat> that's right. Yeah. Um, and even even the the the. So in in Doctor Strange you got Bandit Cumberbatch, mm. Bandit Wong, and uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, and thank um, you. the ancient one as well. Uh, uh, yeah, Tilda yeah, Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. Only Jimmy Smith is American, and, and he, uh, uh, he gets his back broke at the end Scar- of the film. 
and Skandinavian. Yes, from Scandinavia. Yes. He's good, isn't it? He's good. He's good. He's quite good at being Charlie. Did you ever watch Hannibal? I've I've seen like an episode of it, but I, I, he's been in, in tons of stuff and like he's always been excellent. Mm. He's been in a Bond movie. He's been a Bond villain, right? Oh yes, he was in uh, the second one. The first was, one, Casino Royale. Was it? Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure it was Casino Royale. Okay. Yeah, but he's he's brilliant. Actually. He's a brilliant villain. But he, I feel like he gets typecast too much. <laughs> Maybe it's just because of his face. It was also that first. I think that first film he did probably ruined him. What was it called? The Hunted. I think. Oh no, it's just called The Hunt. Have you heard of that? No. <clears throat> he gets framed uh, for a uh, in a paedophilia case, a paedophilia case, a paedophile mm. murder case, even maybe, and um, his town just unite against him and just chase him, basically, and it's it's yeah, a guy trying to prove his innocence, but because it's Scandinavian, it was just really really bleak. Uh. And he was playing a character that, that everyone just assumed is evil and. Um, because of how he is, I mean, he must just have one of those faces, and he's just too good at it. Yeah, there is a there is a a lot of actors only want to play likable characters. They worry when they read a script, oh, is this character likable enough? Mm. It's quite nice to have a character actor like Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, um, nice, <laughs> nice. Or um, he reminds me of Gary Oldman a bit. Gary Oldman was another guy who who loved. Or rather, was really good and, and looked like he was having a lot of fun at playing bad guys yeah. in like Leon and The Fifth Element. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, overall, how many stars would you give it out of five, Doctor Strange? You sound like a four. I feel like a four. Four is reasonable. Okay. Yeah. Mine's, mine's uh, yeah, mine's a three just because I keep griping at it. Mm. My, my experience of watching the film was so binary. Like literally uh, for five minutes I'd be like oh come on Marvel this is lazy and then in the next five minutes I'd be like wow I'm, I'm, I'm not I have to I have to be honest during during the training sequence I was like okay hurry up hurry up and get to the meat of the movie yeah because I was like okay he's gonna understand the powers eventually I already know exactly what's gonna happen you know and it was just it was mass it was hugely formulaic but I feel like it it you know there was a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. And, oh, um, yeah. And it did his job in making end. me excited for, you know, the next ones and Ragnarok and all that. If that is its job, it succeeds. Yeah. yeah. If that is its job. But I, I don't think that should be... The, the job of a film should be to entertain. Yeah. And as an addendum, make you excited about another film. Whereas these Marvel films... I was watching it with a friend uh, Rohan, who who will have on as a guest on this podcast very very soon, um, uh, but uh, he um, they, they mention in passing in the film towards the end that the eye of Ramathamus is uh, the st- uh, one of the gems, yeah. one of the power gems. Yeah. And he leant over to me and went, "Oh, that's so exciting! Did, did they just reveal that that's a power gem?" It's like, and he was. The film hadn't even finished and he was talking to me in the cinema about how this scene was going to make him excited for mm. a future film. Films shouldn't be distracting like that. You should be watching the story, not being encouraged to think about where the story could go. Does that make sense? No, I don't. I disagree with that. Because even if you're watching like a, a, a film... Uh, a 
film where you know there's not never going to be a sequel. It's just a one-off. You know that beforehand. You go into the at the start of the movie, you're already thinking about what's going to happen at the end. Yes, that is true. That is true. And if Marvel are going, well, again, clearly, it all depends on what Infinity War is. Mm. If it is the if it feels like the culmination of a single story that they've been telling for ten years. Awesome. I have no complaint with that. If they're like, there is a reason why Doctor Strange has to be a part of this. There is a reason why Captain America has to be. If there's a reason for everyone to be there, mm. other than, ah, this is happening, let's team up. Yeah, I mean, that that actually worries me as well, because the story of Infinity Gone, most of them are like insignificant. <laughs> So but that is what that is what marked Civil War out as a surprisingly well-made film was that the Russo brothers did manage to make everything feel right. Apart from Ant Man waking up in the in, in the boot of the car or whatever it is, going, "Oh, we're we fighting now!" Like that's kind of how he arrived there. But everyone else had a really nice reason to be there um, and a really nice way of being introduced. Um, maybe not Hawkeye either. But anyway, um, but without Hawkeye and Ant Man. Cap would have been really underpowered, because hmm. um, Ant Man had the best bits in that action sequence in the airport. Big Ant Man, yeah, that was great fun. Excellent. I wasn't expecting that at all. They can still surprise. The Russo brothers can still surprise. Um, I sound so down on these Marvel films. Let's. I, 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 I love them. I watch them all the time. Yeah, and I see them in the cinema. I must, you know, I clearly do enjoy them. So I don't know why I wouldn't... Well, I mean... It's just so much promise. Let's go move on to another Disney franchise that uh-huh. we just watched the trailer for. Um, right. Uh, oh, I'm, let's I'm, not call it a Disney franchise. That's depressing. It's a Disney <laughs> franchise. Deal with it. Honestly. They own everything now. <laughs> Honestly. That's true. Um, Rogue One. Like, I watched the trailer. I, I watched the trailer by accident, I feel like. Like, I, I think it was... When I was watching Arrival or something, the trailer came on. And at first I was like, I'm not going to watch any trailers. I'm just going to go and see the movie. But then you convinced me last time to actually watch a trailer. So, but yeah, I still saw it by accident. And it looks good. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll go and watch that. I'm, I'm so, again, like the Marvel films, I'm sorry. I'm so ambivalent about these. About Rogue One specifically. I can't wait for episode eight. I yeah. loved episode seven. And I even get financially why they're doing a Han Solo uh, early movie. And there's a really good book. And having uh, sorry, having cast Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian, yeah. that's that's great. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested to see what he's going to do. Well, there is a there is the a book set in the Star Wars universe about young Han and Lando, and uh, there being a love triangle. And they have cast this uh, actress as. A character I can't remember the name but it sounds like she could be the third point of this love triangle between Han and Lando mm. but I think they'll I, th- I imagine they'll try and con- they'll, they'll try and do the whole Wookiee slavery that Han freed Chewbacca from slavery and that's mm. why Chewbacca owes him a life debt mm. and all this kind of stuff however uh, so I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to Star Wars generally I'm looking forward to a Boba Fett movie it's fine it's all fine we get why you're doing it because we love these characters and if we see a Boba Fett movie that's rubbish and hackneyed and done for the money, fine, we get it. Yeah. If it happens to be amazing, amazing. If it adds to the character, even better. Rogue One, I don't get why they're making it. 
I don't get why this particular bit of story. I've got a friend who suggested that the reason they're doing Rogue One is because it being risky, they'll know from the box office receipts whether or not they're onto a good thing. If they can release a story that's completely irrelevant to our understanding of the stuff of the saga, and it still be successful and it still be well regarded, then Disney really do. So, have uh, a lot more so power. do you think um, Disney? Do you think there is as much control over the movies as there was with the expanded universe books? The original set of expanded universe books. I don't know. They were giving quite a bit of free reign. They just had some guidelines. Um, Because what I'm wondering is if at any way or will this storyline eventually tie in to, you know, what's happening now? Like, they'll reveal who Snopes is. Snopes? Snopes. I much prefer Snopes. Um, Well, specifically the last extended TV spot for Rogue One called the Trust trailer has what seems to be Jin Erso's mum giving Jin a necklace at the start of the trailer saying trust in the force and that crystal on the necklace does appear to be a kyber crystal the thing the Jedi used to, to, to power and control their lightsabers mm. that force thing hasn't been a part of the Rogue One um, marketing yet at all they've left the force out of it <clears throat> in fact Empire ran a, a, an article this month saying um, a, a, about the film saying no lightsabers no force no Jedi no hope um, uh, not talking about the success of the film but talking about the characters in it I think um, but I think there is going to be force and I th- the reason I'm saying this is because this this whole force thing I've just got this little niggling thing in the back of my mind going, maybe Gineso is Ray's mum. And, and that is why... I thought going to say maybe she's a lightsaber. Maybe she is a lightsaber. Maybe she turns into a lightsaber. The mum puts the necklace on her. She eats it accidentally when she does the high jump and then um, turns into a lightsaber that Ray uses in episode eight. That makes sense. That that genuinely though, her her turning out to be involved in the current bit of the saga, mm. seven eight nine seven eight, would be great, and that would make sense of it. Otherwise, I don't quite, I just still don't get why this bit of the Star Wars story, why this? Do we know if it's a one off story, just like a one shot movie, or do you think we don't spoil? know? That. We don't know that. Okay. But but and and everything about it, even the shots in the trailer, look a little bit. A little bit spin-off, a little bit TV movie to me. They don't look as rich as um, what Irving Kirshner did in, in, in Empire Strikes Back on a, on a really weird studio budget, and and, and, and then what JJ did obviously with Episode Seven. They look a bit. Eh. There's the most high budget spin-off though. Yeah. Considering you know it's got, it's like we were mentioning Star Power. It's got quite a bit of that. Mm, that's true. Um, it's got Ip Man in it. It's got... Uh, Ip Man's in it, yeah. Donnie Yen is in it. and Is it Yen? Donnie yeah. Yen? Donnie Yen's in it. He looks awesome in it. Um, likewise, yeah, there's there's quite a few. There's, they, they, I can't help but immediately come up with a cynical argument. Because I was like, yeah, it's a really diverse cast. And then I suddenly thought, yeah, but they want to sell to China. So it's not surprising they've got Donnie Yen and um, other dude who's popular in Chinese cinema, I can't remember his name either. Um, 
but they're both in it. Like, uh, and then, I don't know, I, I love Riz Ahmed. I, I think he's an amazing actor. Everything he's in, I think he's, he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, Brits, Four Lions even. Um, but, uh, but did you see, um, oh, what was that film he did? Shifty, was it called? Oh, I haven't seen that. It's called like Shifty or Shady or something. It's like a, it's not a gangster movie. It's about these two idiots who have some gangster money and they try to, I think it's called Shifty. Um, but anyway, Riz Ahmed's going to be amazing in it. Um, I did not know he was in it. Is he in any of the trailers? Until I just said that just yeah. now. Oh, sorry. Yeah. He's got the, he's got the movie line. He's the one that says, our uh, call sign, uh, Rogue One. That's oh, part of that. I haven't seen that. So this is the other thing the trailers are doing. The, the first trailer was all like, this is a Star Wars movie, but it's a war movie. I said this on the last podcast. Yeah. I love the idea of having Star Wars movies of different genres as the standalone things. And a war movie is a great place to start. So again, that makes sense of why they're doing it at this. Oh, I just get so upset and excited and worried. Genuinely scared about, about the quality of these films that are coming mm. out. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Why, why do we get so... It's like a religion or something. Why do we get... I don't know. It's because we're passionate. Something that we haven't seen. We're passionate about about games and movies and that's why you listen to us listeners <laughs> yeah it's true it's all well, I hope so I, hope I caught, I caught you by surprise there yeah 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 they didn't know they were being directly addressed yeah, exactly um, but I um, <clears throat> I worry that I just worry I come across too cynical about all these things I'm only cynical about these things because I love them so much they're such a huge part of my life and I think about them but I, I, I suppose that's just how how, how you kind of um funnel your passion I guess um, and, and uh, I think that's totally fine I'm the opposite and it actually is worse so when a game is coming out and I'm hyped I've seen all the trailers I pre-order it and then it comes and I'm like crap this was rubbish <laughs> yeah I, I did see there was a pre-order for um, there's a good pre-order offer on something at the moment on PlayStation Network. I was so close it's a game that I'm blatantly going to get as well I think it was like Resident Evil 7 or even like Zero Dawn, Horizon Dawn. Yeah. Oh, I always get that wrong. Horizon um, Zero Dawn. Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. No, it's already gone. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, no, No Man's Sky. I'm, I'm not pre-ordering a game again. Good, good on you. Good on you. I always say this is the last one. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Yeah. I just, but, I can't, I can't do it, I can't. But, and even with Final Fantasy, I was like, oh, I'm not going to pre-order it. I'm not yeah. going to pre-order it. I pre-ordered it yesterday. Oh, <laughs> what? A day before you could have just gone out and got it anyway? Yeah. Or, or even if you'd waited like 24 hours. Because here's the thing, I get, I get with films, well, that's, I guess that's why games are so, so, so cool at the moment. It's because they can be spoiled. Mm. Imagine if you'd talk to someone in the late 90s about, oh, don't talk about... Metroid Prime, you'll spoil it for me. Like, no, you won't. <laughs> no, what? You're gonna fight more monsters. Um, <laughs> Although, actually, no. Final Fantasy doesn't count, I guess, because I waited for the review scores to come out. Oh, I see. And reviews have been reasonable, reasonable. A couple of nines, a couple of eights. Okay, that's good. So, should be should be good. What it's number is it? fun. Uh, Fifteen. 15. Wow. Fifteen. Yeah. That's oh, that's so exciting. Well, and yeah, I can't wait to see it. But I, and, and Star Wars, I can't. I'm gonna see it. I'll go to the, the first showing that I can that I can get tickets for but um I don't think my filter is very good either when um when I'm watching a movie 
especially when it's Star Wars, I don't think about it. Remember the first time I saw The Dark Knight Rises? I refused to critique it. That's probably why I, 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 I thought Prometheus was good first time I saw that. Because I come out of these films going, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, um, yeah, that must have been good. It took me like 20 viewings of The Phantom Menace to admit to myself that that was not a good film. <laughs> I don't know how. I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, but I love films about trade negotiation and racism. <laughs> um, not really. Phantom Menace is clearly a bad film, but being a Star Wars fan, I just couldn't admit that for like a year. It was like, no, I'm a Star Wars fan. Being a fan of something means you like every part of it. You do get to talk about it. Like in the same way that I can, I can diss my own, my uncle say, but if anyone else says something negative about it, we're like, well, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's family, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel that same way about Star Wars. Like, I can talk negatively about the prequels, but no one else can, because that's a bit, that's a bit rude. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. So I, lo- I, I think I'm going to really enjoy Rogue One, whatever happens. I'll just walk out going, yes, I've seen Darth Vader. And on top of that, Ben Mendelsohn as Commander Cra- or Chief Kranich or whatever his mm-hmm. name is. Mm-hmm. I love the line he's got in the trailer. The, the power we will have will be unlimited. Um, oh, it's really juicy. He said power. I want, I want to be able to talk like that. That's so cool. I want to talk like a bad guy in a Star Wars film. Unlimited power. I've got to do that. I've got to wave my hands, fists in front of my face as well. I'm saying, you can't not. Power. That's what power means. Power doesn't sound like anything. Power. So he's going to be really good. Darth Vader's in it. I wonder if they've given a bit too much away in the trailers now. I don't know. But if, if they find a way of tying it in, if it turns out Jin Erso is Ray's mum or she's a lightsaber, and then, <laughs> then, um, then great, great, well done Star Wars, and it doesn't take that much to do that, it doesn't mm. take a lot to write that in and make it relevant, I just hope that they did, and I hope they don't do it in the way that screwed Joss Whedon over with Avengers uh, Age of Ultron, where you've got Thor fanning off to swim in a pool and have a dream for no reason in the middle of your film that's not about that yeah. at all. Um, so Disney does have precedent for, for kind of shoehorning bad story into good story. We'll see. We'll see. It's yeah. soon. It's soon, isn't it? It's only like two weeks away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two and a half weeks. Woo. Exciting times. Definitely. <laughs> um, the, uh, to be honest, the only other trailer I've seen recently was uh, Kong, Skull Island. What do you think? Uh, I, for, when when it was announced and I heard it, I was like, really another King Kong movie? They're all bad. They're just automatically bad and they're just terrible. Ah, but this one you get to see Kong as a young boy and you see him learning his magic powers. <laughs> and the ancient oh, one, the ancient one abandons five him out on of Skull five. Island. <laughs> <laughs> the ancient one abandons Kong on Skull Island and says, most gigantic monkeys will die within half an hour. <laughs> and then 50 years later, he's still there. Um, but, you know... I the Godzilla movie that came out, I wasn't much of a fan of it because it felt like there was too many scenes with people in it, <laughs> and I just wanted to see the big bear Godzilla dude mm. shoot stuff and kill stuff. Mm. And when he was shooting stuff, he was in the background of the shot. Yeah, which is really annoying. And that guy is directing Rogue One. Anyway, <laughs> but I love mon- like monster movies, like mm. big monster battle movies, and I. Th- I'm going to have to watch Kong. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to have to watch it because 
Because it just has a big monster in it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel really enough. guilty for saying this. It's got some really good people in it as well. Is it? I didn't know. Uh, Tom Hiddleston, Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, yeah. Captain Marvel. Well, Samuel L. Jackson's in everything, though. Sure, yeah, that doesn't count. Yeah. Um, uh, I bet you Andy Serkis is in it somewhere. <laughs> as, as an animal, clearly. As Kong. Probably. He's probably Kong. Yeah. Who's, who's Captain Marvel being played by? Um, I can never remember her name. I I've actually forgotten stuff. who it was. But she's in Skull Island as well, I think. She's the lead. Okay. Opposite Tom Hiddleston. Hiddleston's good. He's good value. Yeah. Um, can you answer me a question about Skull Island and King Kong generally? Maybe. So a bunch of people go to Skull Island. They find a giant monkey. Yeah. They capture it. They take it back to New York and put it in a theatre for some reason. Yeah. There's an island full of T-Rexes. Why did they bring the monkey back? <laughs> there's T-Rexes there's, there's, there's plants that look like dicks that eat people from the head down look like... Injun already <laughs> said that they're going to take the T-Rexes and make a park okay ah they got the rights they got the copyright they on, got the rights on any Jurassic style parks <laughs> exactly so they were like okay we're left with the monkey you can I'm have sure the monkey we... but I, I wanted to ask you what, what is the modern monkey? equivalent of that of taking the monkey back to New York and you know Putting him in the theatre. Because obviously this story was written however long ago and it was written to suit that time. It was written as a, as a, as a, as a treatise on slavery, actually. Mm. King Kong re- re- represented the, the kind of native, uh, in quotes, savage, Oh yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Who, who, who wanted to... All of this is in air quotes. This is not my opinion, yeah, obviously, yeah. or my understanding of history, but the, the kind of savage who wants to um, seduce the white woman is always like a blonde woman in a white dress that's in his hand and all that kind of stuff so yeah. it's this dark horrible slavery imagery and about the exploitation of slave obviously exploitation yeah but i'm um, putting them on show and all this stuff and look at these crazy savages and then trying to control them and then finding out that actually control is not something we can have and as the film's been updated it's been less about slavery more about control over nature mm. so i don't think you can have a modern analog of King Kong because A we've, we know everything mm. about the planet you know we, we've been everywhere mm. there's no surprises in terms of I mean I guess they could do something in the sea like the, <laughs> the abyss is kind of the modern King Kong no it's not um, I don't know yeah you're right you, you, I guess you can't do, oh they should do an alien one they should do an alien one they should do an alien version of King Kong where they go to a planet and find like this 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 art do you know what? I think I'm describing a film that's coming out quite soon called Life. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Life starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds. Mm. Yeah, no, two big stars. No one's talking about this movie. I think. Wow. I think if you look at the trailer, you'll see a lot of alien in it, and I think people think it's an alien ripoff. It's about some scientists. They pick up a little what seems like microbial life in space. Yeah. And then it goes in a guy. And then that guy is an alien. So I think it's a cross between alien and the, and it's set on a space station that's orbiting Earth. And it's all about them trying not to let this microbial growth or alien or that whatever. That sounds get really to interesting. Earth. Yeah, with Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, yeah. So wh- why is no one talking about this film? But anyway, I, don't know. Um, I think it'd be quite interesting. You, t- you could do a version of King Kong where someone goes to an alien planet, finds what they think is a really cute or exploitable alien bring it back to earth and then it turns out that, that just reminds me of maniac it just reminds me of Futurama I was just <laughs> Nibbler 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 all the way man yeah oh 
there's a he's living the poor thing's living on a hollow planet we've got to save him it turns out he's the reason it's hollow he's eaten it all um <laughs> i love future i've, I've watched some uh, season eight of future on there's, some I, there's so much i've missed seen. there's so much i've missed it's still good it, it, i didn't watch it after dip. it came back there was a dip there series five season five was was a dip but six seven eight they get better and better as they go on okay from but the that. films were the nadir of the whole thing and it's got quite a quite an obvious upside down bell curve to uh-huh. the quality of the show um, and it, I think it comes back season six, six, seven, and eight. But I was, yeah, uh, it's the, the attention to detail in Futurama. This is an amazing, just a little point of geekery. But if you watch the pilot of the show, bearing in mind that it wasn't revealed, spoilers for Futurama, by the way. Oh, uh, I, was I, about I, to, I think I know what you're about to say. I think I know about this, but go Nibbler caused Fry to go to, into, to go the, into the stasis machine, yeah, the, freezing, yeah. the freezing machine. Yeah. If you watch the pilot, episode one, this is so. This was like three seasons before that reveal. Hmm. If you freeze frame the moment just as Fry tips back in his chair, he does the on New Year's Eve, and the thing hits him on the nose, and he starts tipping back, and he's about to lose his balance. There is a silhouette of Nibbler on the floor in that shot. It's inc- it's inc- like I-, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's the reason why Lost should have been better. That's the reason why Marvel don't need to do origin stories because if you're clever enough. And work things out in advance enough. Mm. You don't have to improvise. You you mm. can be good. You can be clever. Sorry, that puts down improvisation. I love spontaneity and improvisation, but there's I don't think there's a place for it in 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 planning a sequence of multi million dollar movies. Mm. Um, you can't just go oh well, maybe in this one we should. I don't know. Can we use? Can we really use the one where the teacher leaves him up a mountain? Can we do that scene again? Is that cool? It's been like sixth time this year, but uh, yeah, it's easy. It's easy. It's easy. We'll do that. Yeah, it's like they were reading from a manual. What about that line? It's called of... Iron Man One Hundred and One. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, the director of Iron Man. What's his name? Um, quite a fan of his. Oh well. But um, uh, yeah. He must be spinning in his grave. He's not even dead. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, yeah, he. Um... <laughs> oh, what's his name? That's really annoying. Swingers, chef. I'm really bad with like directors. Zafuroff. He was in Iron Man as. as I need to see a face. Punchy McSmiles. Um, yeah, you'd recognise him if you saw him. Okay. Um, anywho, I'm saying I'm a lot because I've got too many things. Hmm. But um. You're gonna. You talk about kaiju. When you're talking about big monsters, are you talking about kaiju or anything with a big monster in it? Kaiju. Okay. Yeah, kaiju. Because King Kong isn't quite kaiju, is he? Yeah, but he is. Might as well be. True. Right. Yeah. Sure. I believe that. But like speaking of kaiju, I didn't really like Pacific Rim. Oh, okay. It was okay. I don't remember what happened in it, apart from like a couple of battles. Hmm. But yeah, it, it just wasn't noteworthy to me. It, yeah, I, me, me too, me too, to be honest. I, I, it's difficult for me to say because a couple of friends of mine love it. They thought it was the best movie of that summer. And I don't quite get how. It wasn't anything, if you've ever seen any kaiju movies before, you've seen Pacific Rim. Was it me or did the robots, <laughs> like, the robots they had look a bit crap? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess that's the difference. That's just a random thought. That's not why I didn't enjoy it. It's just a random thought I had. They did actually look pretty crap. Like there's been cooler. I can't remember now. Well, it's a difficult thing because he Benicio, Benicio, sorry, <laughs> Guillermo del Toro 
promised that it would not be a 3D film because he, he said very early on, in, early on in pre-production for Pacific Rim that two dimensions is the only way to really get a scale of anything. Because yeah. a, 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 if you have a thing next to a building and it's bigger than the building, in two dimensions you know how big that thing is. Yeah. In three dimensions the perspective is actually lost, ironically. He insisted that wasn't going to happen to Pacific Rim. And then they did release a 3D version of it, which I think maybe, and so they must have regraded the movie after they shot it, which, which might excuse some design flaws or some detail flaws. Um, and also the, the, the massiveness of it. I don't know, I like kaiju movies. Yeah. And I like big big mech movies. Big mech cartoons were such a big part of my childhood. Yeah. Um, Evangelion is like the best thing ever to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it's so cool. It is. It is repetitive. Those things. Yeah. Uh, it's like One Punch Man. There's mm. there's there's only so many fights you can have that are one punch long before you get kind of understand. <laughs> I think I know what the next fight's going to be like. <laughs> um, talking of that though, I've I've got to talk about this. It's been I've been, I've been uh, before, and this isn't something we talk about very much. Books, mm. but Ready Player One mm. by Ernest Klein. I, I smashed it in like a couple of days. I'm a slow reader, but that book had me um, from the start. It's brilliant. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's uh, it's set in the in in the future, mm. mid, kind of middle of the 21st century, uh, and the world's gone to it's turned to rubbish, and everything's wrong. Environment bad, no government stuff. Um, but everyone lives through a virtual reality internet, basically. Mm. Uh, and the founder of that system at the start of the book has just died and leaves his will publicly which is anyone who can complete his game that he's programmed and left clues in this entire universe this virtual reality universe of planets he's left clues every now and again anyone who can decipher those clues and win his game wins 350 billion dollars and control of this virtual reality internet mm. uh, and from that point on everything is a reference to video games films cartoons in the 70s 80s and 90s it is it is brilliant it is brilliant fun it's a hundred percent geeky there's no apology for how much fun he's having yeah um, but you're gonna read it yes so we'll talk about it next time yeah yeah. Okay, no spoilers. Yeah. Like, all of what I've just said is like the first two pages. Yeah. Um, it's great. It's going to be going to love it. Okay. Next time, listeners. Next time. Yeah. Keep wish. And, and, and next one is going to... We're going we're gonna to kind of do the Game of the Year version? Yes, next like, next edition is our Game of the Year version. We, we should probably come up with some about. categories or something. Yeah. yeah, let's do that. Yeah. It'll be a very exciting edition next time. Yeah. yeah. So listen in. And until then... I think we're leaving boss mode now. Yeah, we're going to leave for a little while. But we'll be back. We'll be back. We will.